Hello everyone and welcome back to the Belgian Football Podcast. We've had a little break, but we are finally back to go through all things ahead of the 2023-2024 season. It does seem a little bit, little bit ridiculous to be saying that already, but hey, that is what it is. Time has definitely been flying. As always, I'm joined by Scott and Joris. We signed them up again for another season with an option for another year as well, perhaps. We'll see how they get on this time round. But guys, how are you doing and have you had a nice summer break, if it's even felt like one since we last spoke? Wow, is it really that time of the season again? Uh, new new players, new coaches, new expectations and new kits as well. Um, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm really delighted to be back. Um, and really looking forward to getting stuck into this because this is always one of our most highly anticipated episodes of the entire season. Yeah, and even though I will get a reminder about it really soon, I am better now than I was at the back end of last <laughs> season. But um, yeah, the, let's have a throwback soon. Uh, I guess we'll see that with the first teams we will be talking about. And uh, just already a little disclaimer to take that out of the way. Uh, it's the 20th of July when we record this. So anything that happens uh, after that date, we, we, are, we are sorry, listeners. We'll keep you up to date through, through our socials. Uh, but uh, whatever we say here, that's a huge disclaimer. This is as, as of the 20th of July. Things that happen afterwards can change our opinions, uh, which we will uh, spread later. Yeah, exactly. We can talk about those later in the year. And even by the end of August, who knows if our opinions would have changed. But we'll probably kind of talk a little bit about teams that we think need to do a little bit more business. And if they do business X, then that could, yeah, make them into a better position. So what we are going to do is we're just going to kind of go through team by team, as we usually do, uh, based off of the final table from last season, rather than... The alphabetical, because the alphabetical is always different <laughs> depending on who's writing it. So we're going to stick with uh, the league table for last year. But it, it's, it's kind of alphabetical in the sense that we're going to start with a team that begins with A, which is, of course, Antwerp, the side that won the league last season. First time since 1957. Not a huge amount of kind of transfer business one player that's coming that we knew was coming in uh, midway kind of towards the back end of the season is uh, Jakob Andrejka from Elsberg for about 1.5 million euros they've also gone out and spent a hefty amount uh, rumored to be around about 6 million euros on George Ileni Inelikena uh, from Amiens Nigerian striker he's only 16 years old scored in his debut in a friendly as well so he's definitely one to watch Gerardo Kirk he's coming back as well kind of taking advantage of that uh, the situation in Ukraine and Russia to be able to come back for another season and they've also brought in Senil Ammons from Club Bruges the goalkeeper he's only about 20 years old he's come in on a three in terms of outgoings for Antwerp, they've lost William Pacho, that was known, uh, about £9 million to Frankfurt. He's going to be a big miss. Peter Gherkins, uh, he's kind of dropped away to the fringes. He's left to join Ghent for free. Koji Miyoshi, um, he's left to go to Birmingham for free. And um, on our little sheets, Joris has even added Scott's favourite <laughs> next to him <laughs> as a little description, which I thought was quite nice. Alexis Dessart is back with Molenbeek. Faris Haroun has finished his career. Victor Fisher as well, only 29 years old, but he has finished his career. He was uh, on loan at IAK Stockholm. He was with Stockholm, but unfortunately, just the injuries have mounted up and he's decided to call time on his career. Pierre Duomo, he's gone to Molenbeek alongside Alexis Dessart. 
Calvin Stengs has gone back to his parent club, but Antwerp are very keen to bring him back. Same with Mandela Keita, who's gone back to Leuven. They're still kind of working on those two. So obviously, as you said, disclaimer, they aren't there yet, but we know they want them to be there. Uh, a couple of players back from loan, Michael Frey as well, although it's expected that he'll leave. Bigger Vestrata, Frank Boyer and Dorian Dessalil. Again, you could see any three of those guys going. So that's kind of the overview of Antwerp. Scott, I'm going to hand over to you first. Do you like the business they've done? Do you think they're missing a little bit? What's your kind of overall assessment at the very moment when you're looking at the defending champions? Well, it's been pretty quiet on the Antwerp front, actually. Um, I've been surprised by um, how quiet, actually. Um, They've got... They've got um, a big European campaign to, to, to look forward to, hopefully. Um, hopefully that gets off the ground for them uh, big time, as much for them as as, as for us. Um, Mark Van Bommel this week obviously has been talking about a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. He was saying that he doesn't feel that Antwerp are, are can, or can consider themselves to be a top club quite yet, that they have to go out and um, prove that they're the, that by challenging once again for the title and, and, and for the cup and to, to do things like that consistently um, over a period of time uh, which I thought was quite a brave thing to say after their, their, their spectacular season uh, last season uh, but I, I think they're quite calm about things internally you know he was he was asked about you know the the, the relative quietness of their their activity as well in in the same press conference and he did actually say that you know they've got a number of targets they know where they want to strengthen and that they're not really panicking about that um at the moment i think from a domestic point of view i'm not sure they're stronger um at the moment than they were say this time last year you know and i have the slight concern at the moment that they might get found out in the sense that nobody was able really to compete with the way that they played last season, particularly effectively, um, but I feel that they're going to have to mix up and put, you know, add something new into the mix this this coming season, um, because I don't think they'll be able to kind of cruise along in, in the way that they did last season, uh, because I think people know kind of what to expect from them at the moment, and this is obviously where there is that concern with their transfer business. You know, they they haven't really added anything that suggests we're going to see anything new in terms of the dynamic. So I, I think they need more if they're going to have a season that that's anything like the one that they had um, last year. But um, I, I I'm confident that they're going to be you know a a, a solid playoff one side. Um, and if they can avoid the injuries that they they did last season as well, then there's no reason to to, to expect they couldn't they couldn't by their standards have have yet a very good season um, again. But they they definitely need more at the moment, I would say. Yeah, they've only brought in players that uh, are may playing more up front and at the back. They they might uh, need some, especially with Pacho leaving, uh, of course, and. Engels uh, injury issues and yeah they they definitely need someone there at least one uh, I believe okay they did get this away back maybe he can play a role in the in the first weeks of the season Uh, but uh, as Ben said also all four of the uh, players that came back from loan are I would expect them to leave not in the least because all of their contracts end uh, next season anyway so uh, if they want to get something up for them 
out of it, uh, then uh, they, they, now is the time to, to get at least some money for them. Uh, also, there might be some players that actually really want to leave. Uh, I guess I believe Michael Frey definitely falls under that category. We will see that, that on the on the on the attacking front they did strengthen already. So the, or uh, strengthen is to be seen, but they did bring some reinforcements and replacements for players that left um yeah we know they are trying to to bring at least things and also Keita in uh, one way or another uh or two other lone players uh, that they had last season but um, it looks like these are difficult negotiations with their respective teams that uh, they, they definitely need some more business but on the other hand not that much has changed maybe but um, we'll I, I believe like with many teams we'll say that again a lot uh, this episode that the, their business has isn't done yet but the squads the core of the squads should be strong enough to to carry them through these first weeks and let's hope that they are ready before their uh, champions league playoff games no reason to believe they will have a huge drop off from last season i think they will still be comfortably in playoff one and probably also fighting for the title again if i would have to predict uh already which i don't <laughs> that's uh i'm that's a, with the current state of things i think that's not a, a bold thing to say I mean, yeah, you've both got uh, a week today to get those prediction tables. As long as you get them before the uh, the start of the first game, Union against Anderlecht, they're all good because it has to be before the first game. So we can be <laughs> terribly, terribly wrong. No, I, I, I think, yeah, they, they do need another central defender. I don't think you can go into the season with just out of our old fandom, Bosch and Desiree. Obviously, Bjorn Engels is there, but like whether he's going to get on the pitch, he's been injured for ages. It's been a bad injury. So they definitely need him or you're kind of sticking Richie in there. I, I'm excited about Andrejka, just kind of like hearing from the guys over at the Nordic Football Podcast and kind of stuff that's come out about of, of Ellsberg and kind of seeing his kind of like numbers and stuff. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to see what he brings to the table because they've been one of the, the better teams in the Allsvenskan this season. And he was obviously still playing there until quite recently. So one of those players that comes in from the Scandinavian leagues and can kind of hit the preseason in, in season form, if you know what I mean. So he's going to be an interesting one. And then just another one, Senny Lamons as well. He may suddenly find himself as the number one option if Jean Boutte goes because they've said they're willing to let Jean Boutte go to kind of finance some other moves. So they're clearly quite confident in Lamons if if that's kind of the reading of what kind of a lot of the papers and that are saying that he could, could kind of step in there. So yeah, definitely interesting to see how they tweak a few things. But I think I agree on the whole with you guys. They'll be up there, but... There's still a little bit of work to do, but like, yeah, I feel like we're going to say that about a lot of teams. The side that finished second last year, obviously Joris remembers them. That one was Genk. They've brought in a couple of players as well. They've kind of, I know Joris is probably going to shoot us for saying this, but maybe they're looking for the next uh, gift or ban by spending lots of money on a player from the uh, from the Norwegian leagues. So they brought in Christopher Bonsu Bar from Sarpsburg. A ridiculously good name. Uh, Ghanaian winger, only 18. He comes in from Salzburg for about 5.2 million euros. A name we kind of know a lot more about, Gambian winger Ali Federa. They won the race to sign him from Zolta Varagem, around about 4 million as well. Hendrik van Kronberger, he comes in to, I guess, play second fizzle to van der Voort and then maybe take his place when van der Voort does leave in 2024 to go to Leipzig. And he also bought in Joris's namesake, Joris Kayembe from Charleroi for an undisclosed but not a massive fee. Uh, in terms of players out, uh, Ebu Kawasi, he's finally left on permanent deal. He's gone to Aluka. Uh, Ali Samata has gone back to Fenerbahce and then from Fenerbahce he's travelled across to Greece and he is now with 
Pauk. Joris, obviously, we have to start with you on this one. And we know kind of the position that you're probably going to want strengthening is that striker position because at the moment it's just Tolu. And I don't think you want to be going into the season with poor Tolu as your only striker, do you? No, definitely not. And it's I'm already worried about that, not just for the season, but uh, as of the 20th of July, okay. so today, it's only five days left before the first European game for Genk as well. It looks like the new striker, whoever that will be, uh, will not be there. This is really a crucial game. Uh, these, these two legs are really crucial for hopefully launching it into a, a really good season or, well, maybe make things worse and then start on a bad, on a bad track. But anyway, I'm a bit worried because the reinforcements, attacking reinforcements are uh, it's not there yet bef- or it's looking like it's not going to be there before the first European game after already having struggled uh, for the past few seasons um, even maybe with uh, with uh, the, the striking position except okay of course Onuachu but his replacement or his potential replacements you would think they had enough time for that to, to arrange that or maybe bring someone in while he was still here to later on take his place but sadly uh, I'm, I'm really a bit both worried and slightly angry even that that position still hasn't filled this uh, worried especially no, especially this angry part can still change if they bring in someone and the, the waiting uh, yeah, shows off that it's it's been worth it but if not then then yeah it will only get worse what else to say Christopher Bonsuva not only a really great name but also great hair I saw the social media team already <laughs> play play uh, play with the the well with, with showing him from the back or him or Preciado I'm actually not sure but that was the whole question Who of, which of the two was it we always say talk about Preciado and his uh, beautiful hair and uh, yeah the, he definitely nice hair also goes for, for this one uh, he seems already well integrated based on the social media um, things as well um, that yeah we'll see uh, how how it how he fares? Uh, there's a lot of quality, or and at least quantity, uh, on the wings now as well. They that's a position where they definitely did anticipate. Yeah, the one thing I'm I'm then at the moment pleasantly surprised, but still could bite uh, me slash Hink in the ass uh, by later on in the transfer window is that there is actually no significant departures yet. But yeah, given these reinforcements at the wing, I I believe that everyone in the club also thinks that at least one and maybe even both of Tresor and uh, Paintsel might leave by the end of of, of August, or I believe it's even the the beginning of September. I also feel like one central defender extra could not harm them either. But apart from the striking position, I'm relatively happy so far with the business done. Fadera, we'll have to see. It's always uh, uh, an adaptation from from a team lower in the table to a team that's hopefully going to uh, to play a, a role higher up in the table. Might, might be a, a tough competition for Oyen as well to, to get back into the fold. I'm also still really excited to see him back. Uh, and also a few of the reinforcements of last season, which so far have shown that they are more ready now than they were last season to really fight for a spot. Uh, in the likes of Castro and Galarza, to name a few already there. Big main concern, uh, long story short, striking position, yes, is an important one. Yeah, I think Joris's analysis was absolutely spot on there. I don't think there's a lot I can I, I, I can add to that. I think there's there's depth and quality there as well. Of course being being Genk and the the players that have come in are are of you know 
with, with the exception of Bonsu Ba, obviously, he's still very young. Um, well, Fadira's still young, actually, 21. But, you know, there, there's quality there, proven quality there in the players that they've already come in. And, you know, three of the four of them already know the Pro League very well, too. Um, so that, that means there's no adaptation there for them or anything like that. They will hit the ground running pretty quickly, I suspect, sh- should they be needed. Yeah, it's what Yora says. It's it's what's going what's to happen in the striking department because that, that needs addressing um, and is is obviously the priority. Um, and even if they they lose um, two or three years, Joris was saying, you know, no significant departures yet. There's enough quality and depth there, I think, to, to be able to um, absorb that. Perhaps, and I don't know what Joris is feeling about this, is maybe... Maybe they're waiting just for the right moment um, to to pull the trigger on a, on a particular target. Obviously, Genk have money to spend, so um, should they need to go out and maybe pay more than they would like to for the right striker, then maybe maybe that's that's what they're thinking of doing. But they'll have they'll have options. What's been interesting, I think, is that you know there's been no real significant link with with, with anybody. This has all been kind of kind of quite quiet. We've known about the links with Shamar Nicholson for a while but they they haven't really materialized into anything significant at all as as of yet so I, I think they're probably working their way through options and you would imagine choosing their choosing their moment quite wisely because of course a lot of things happen at the the last minute in windows so this may be one of those things where they're they're waiting for somebody else to leave elsewhere before they you know push the push the button and pick up the phone as as it were but yeah things generally look very good at Genk and I I would expect not only a playoff one position obviously but a strong a strong push for the title and Vita Rankin's biggest challenge is going to be keeping a squad with this much depth and quality happy which he did very well last season so there's no reason really to expect that um, he can't do it again because we know that uh, Rankin's one of the best coaches in, in Belgium No I have literally nothing to add on Genk you guys have pretty much summed it up perfectly so let's move on to the side that finished third place uh, in Union Saint-Gilois. And it's been a busy transfer window compared to everyone else for Union. Uh, they signed Alexis McAllister's brother, Kevin McAllister, uh, of course, announced through the Home Alone um, style video because that's the only way they could possibly do that. He comes in from not Argentina. My, not my, not my favourite announcement video of the <laughs> summer, by the way, that one. I thought that one was... Um... Yeah, a bit underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if maybe they can improve it later on if they make any more signings. Um, yeah, let's, let's hope Kevin isn't underwhelming. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interested to see kind of what he brings to the table coming in from Argentinos, Argentinos Juniors. Uh, also signed from Brann in Norway, Matthias Lasmussen. He moves from Bergen to Brussels. Charles Van Hoot swaps Bruges for Brussels. He comes from over from Circular. Uh, Koki Makeda's move from Kashima Antlers was made permanent. Obviously, he was already on loan at the side anyway. Freddie Layson comes in from Young PSV. Henok Teklab comes in from Preussen Münster. Quite an interesting one to watch. 24-year-old German who's also eligible to play for Eritrea as well. Elton Kabangu, he comes in from Willem 2, striker, Belgian-Congolese descent. 
And then Matthew Sorinola is back from Swansea City. A few outgoings, some big outgoings. Obviously, Teddy Tuma, that's that's definitely going to be a massive loss. He finally heads over, well, heads back to France, I guess, to prove a point. He joined Stad Rams for about 4.6 million. Ismail Kandus, he has left and gone to Ghent for about 3 million. Sieb van der Hayden as well. So the, the defence has been picked apart a little bit. Sieb has gone to Mallorca for 2.5 million. Surprising one to most people, uh, Moroccan under-23 international Usman El Azouzi has joined Bologna in Serie A uh, for 2 million euros. Must have clearly impressed a lot during the under-23s AFCON because didn't get that much game time at Union, but yeah, that one kind of came out of nowhere. Ilya Siani, he's, his move to standard Liège has become permanent. Simon Odinga, he's gone back to Brighton. Jörg Vertessen, he's gone back to PSV. Firstly, I think Seaman Odinga is actually going to be a big loss as well. Uh, he was fantastic for them in that kind of striking position once Dante Van Zier had left. So the side's looking quite different, guys, to what kind of we saw last year. Victor Boniface is still there, but while Union have said they want the record fee for him, uh, no one has kind of come in yet, but there are a couple of clubs linked. Also, Alexander Blessing is now the head coach as well, with Kara having left randomly and quite surprising but we kind of thought he would leave we didn't think he'd leave before he had a new club to go to but he left and then <laughs> blessing has come in so it's, it's gonna be an interesting time for union isn't it scott i'll go to you first on them because some some players are still there that have been quite key for them but then you just look you see teddy tumor see van der hayden like those two kind of you've, they've kind of been there over this period of time where the club has come back and fought for titles and it feels like Teddy Tuman Union, I just thought he'd stay for so long. I thought he'd just he'd end his career there or something like that. But obviously he had that ambition to go back to kind of to France and do that. And I think they've obviously had to respect his wishes. But it's gonna be strange watching them without him, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of the I suppose great unanswered questions kind of going into the start of this season. What sort of a side are we gonna see in Union Sancho while this season? Uh went really close to the title in in the past two years. Some really significant players have, have, have left, as you were just saying. They've been very active actually in the transfer market, which should surprise nobody. Um, the recruitment team at Union have been brilliant over the last couple of years. Well, far longer than that, actually, but particularly in the last couple of years since they've returned to the Pro League and, and got far more things right than, than wrong, precious few flops in terms of their decisions. So to have such a high turnover, it's going to be interesting to see how these players kind of, you know, um, yeah, just respond to kind of going into that environment and, and, and going again. I think having a new coach obviously helps. It's, it's a clean slate. Alexander Blessing, no stranger to Belgian football, was very, very good at Oostend. Great to have him back. Um, I've already really enjoyed some of the the press conferences and and video appearances that he he's made. He's he's refreshingly honest and and witty as always, and seems to really have embraced coming into a club that's had a lot of success both on and off the pitch um, in the last couple of years, and and is continues on that that upward trajectory. The the off the field issue of the the stadium is still unresolved, and obviously is 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 a big bugbear because. You know, there are a lot of long-term issues there that can't really be addressed until that is settled. Um, not something for Alexander Blessing to worry about, obviously. But, yeah, he's come in and, and seems to really be quite happy to be working with 
what are a lot of new players, um, so he can mould a new side, uh, a side in his, his, you know, his his own style, if you like. You know, he can go again and play his own his own blessing ball. Um, so it's it's great to have him back. Some really interesting signings in there, actually. I think I think uh, Charlie Van Oot from from Circle is a really good signing. He he's a player that Unior have been watching for a while, I think, and would fit into an Alexander Blessing side every day of the week. He's got all of the ingredients that I think Alexander Blessing really looks for and, and relishes in a player. So I would expect him to do to do kind of quite well at Union. But yeah, the the great unanswered question: Can they go and do anything like they've done over the last couple of years? I think they're going to do fine this season because uh, I, I I trust the recruitment. Even if they can't hit the heights of the last couple of years, I think they they will make a playoff one spot. Uh, beyond that, it's it's very difficult to guess without seeing those kind of first ten games or so as to how the season might pan out. But their their willingness to go out and be proactive, I think, on the whole, is is pretty encouraging, and um, hopefully it works for them because they they've been one of the the most entertaining sides to watch over the last couple of years, and hopefully that remains the case. So far, it's difficult to judge the newcomers, of course, but at least. I believe they, they have we brought in good replacements, but the main question will, of course, be Boniface. Well, let's assume uh, that he will still leave. Boo will score the goals, and uh, will they bring someone else in still? Uh, for the other positions, it seems to be more or less stable, of course, losing their captain in Terma and not only captain, but like a uh, real leader on the field as well. Uh, yeah, that, that that might bring a bit more. Like, how will the group dynamic have changed? Something we, well, never talk about enough in this kind of episodes. We, we, I do believe we covered that throughout the season quite well, but uh, that's definitely a question mark. Uh, to quickly come back to, to Hink as well, that's also why I think it's really important that Hink did, does get a, a group stage uh, in the Europe this uh, this uh, this this year because the, the squad is actually so big that uh, to keep everyone happy there needs to be more rotation and you never know when uh, things go a bit south there yeah how how that turns out anyway with Union they are already in group stages they have that going for them the squad seems okay adjustments with new co- to new manager lots of ins and outs we'll have to see how it, how it all pans out um, the recruitment has been good over the co- past couple of years but now. It seems to be the moment where really a lot of players are leaving. Uh, One player I want to pick just uh, because I um, got uh, some information from him from a colleague who writes for uh, uh, as a next to his job uh, for for a a magazine, a football magazine here in Germany uh, about Münster, Preußen Münster, the former club of uh, uh, Henoch Tech Club. Then he was. yeah, I was talking positive about him. That he's uh, really impressive. That he's really fast and uh, and and has a good dribble, as many wingers do, I guess. Uh, that uh, also he pointed out, of course, and like it, it's obvious, it is a big step up, of course, from the fourth division in Germany to yeah, a team that and that was really fighting for the title and was a quarter finalist in Europe last season. Uh, can he make that step up um, as well? But um, uh, anyway, some good words from uh, from my colleague Sven, so uh, credits to him. Yeah, it's good to hear. I'm definitely excited to see what he can bring. Uh, not your colleague, obviously, <laughs> Tech Lab, but yeah, <laughs> he can give us some more insights into Preussen Munster players later in the season if we need to get some more. Um, no, I think he's, he's definitely one. I think from within the squad, I'm quite excited to see a bit more Casper Terho. We saw a little bit of him at the end and he looked quite interesting. And then Cameron Puertas getting more starts, I think, would be really good because he made good impact off the bench a couple of times last season, scoring some crucial goals. 
he just looks like I'd love those kind of like technically sound central midfielders, and he's he's got that technical ability that I quite like in a midfielder. So hopefully, see a little bit more of Cameron Puertas as well. Obviously, now with the the absence of Teddy Tuma, but I think you guys are right. I think it's how the squad dynamic works without that leadership of Teddy Tuma. Like who's going to step in? But they've got they still got people like Christian Burgess, uh, Senilinen, Bart Nuku. They've they've got some players that will try and lead on the pitch anyway. Let's go to another club that's had a change of leadership. Uh, Ronnie Dyler's Club Bruges. Now, I'm sure standard fans would love to have heard that. Again, reasonably <laughs> active in the transfer window. Uh, brought in a striker, Igor Thiago from Luda Goretz for around about 7.9 million euros. Hugo Vetlesen from Bodeglimt as well, essential midfielder, 23-year-old. Michal Skolas comes in from Lech Poznan, one we knew about before. And then they finally announced officially Victor Barbera uh, from the Barcelona B team, who was kind of known to be coming at some point. Abakar Salah, he's gone though. He's gone to Salzburg for twenty million euros. Um, Chelsea very much involved in that transfer. Noah Lang's finally gone, and he is definitely, I'd argue, not got the big move uh, to PSV. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think that's uh, that big a move. I think from what he was kind of wanting over the last years. That's kind of a, a sideways step, in my opinion. Clinton Matter's gone to Leon, maybe a little bit too late for Matter in terms of his prime, but very much perfect timing, I think, for Club Bruges. Carl Aaron's officially gone to Valladolid. Rude Vorma, official to Zulta Varagem. Thomas van den Koibus has uh, made his move to Vestalo permanent. Yusuf Badji's made his move to Charleroi permanent. Sonny Lamons, we've already spoken about. And Alint Ador has joined Quarterlike on loan. In terms of the guys back coming back from loan to Club Bruges that are worth talking about, obviously uh, Maxime de Kuyper is the big one, so he's back and he's going to be playing a part, you'd assume, this season. I guess Joris goes to you first on this one. It's a squad that should be challenging for the title, even without all those incoming, but with those incomings, you're looking at it and you're thinking, yeah, this team should be able to challenge. And I think... Just before you do answer, I think in terms of where I see a gap in the squad, it's just I think they just probably need another centre back with Silla gone because Jack Hendry is rumoured to also be leaving as well. So then you're kind of just left with Brandon Meckler, Dedrick Boetta, and Yorne Spielers in terms of the the guys that have been tried and tested. Whether they want to chuck in Joel Ordonez as well, sign him for a fair amount of money. So you think perhaps they were looking at this situation, but this this squad looks good. And it'd be a shock to not see them right up there at the end of the season. Yeah, it's a really well-rounded squad indeed. Um, also, quick disclaimer, a bit late now maybe, but like any any transfer price we are naming here comes from transfer marks. It might not be completely accurate. It's made more like it's going to be in the region of, or it was an expensive one or not. So don't take us on that. Oh, maybe it was not 7.9 million for Igor Thiago, uh, uh, but it was six or I don't know, but... Uh, six plus bonuses or anything anyway to cover our asses a little more but but regardless of that like i said well-rounded squad excited to to see hugo vitlesson as well he's he's really also a big name that came in also excited to see Eder balanta back although i don't believe he will 
he also will be leaving uh, again. Uh, but uh, as of yet, as far as uh, as I know, it, it, he's still at the club. But uh, yeah, another one of Scott's favorites. <laughs> I was thinking about putting it in the sheet. No, no I didn't, but I will have to say it here <laughs> that the main thing might indeed again be more like keep everyone happy. But, but I do believe that, on, especially on outgoing side, there there will be some moves still from players that. Uh, they don't need, I believe, on the left back, for example, they now have a uh, real overload uh, with also Mauasa coming back, the Kuiper, uh coming back, Meyer being a really good left back already. Like already, Meyer in the Kuiper on itself is a luxury on this position. It will be uh, interesting to see who will who will be starting uh, most of the games there. Plus, they also have a young talent in uh, Kiriani Sabi, the Sabah there, and old head Denis Odoi. Maybe he can also fill in more, also maybe even at centre-back uh, if needed. The sad news that came from uh, Shemsdin Talbi, a uh, youngster. Uh, I listed him here as central midfielder, but I think he can also play, be playing a bit more on the wing as well. But uh, he got an um, ACL injury. And uh, also Josef Bursik, that's, um, yeah, that's a third goalie by now well probably was going to be the second goalkeeper yeah he also is out with an ACL injury so that they have not been lucky with that especially on a personal level that to see a young talent hampered by by such injuries it's I have the feeling it happens more and more actually the last few years um, probably because of the demands of modern football and um, and, and the focus uh, that is needed physically as well but yeah that's another whole other topic yeah well-rounded squads and definitely should be challenging for the title yeah I think club fans will be delighted to put last season's kind of nightmare behind them really um, a season a season to forget a new coach has come in uh, we know all about the spice around that there's a certain game uh, fixture in October and it was the first thing when the fixtures were announced actually it was the very first one I went to look for because that's um, that's definitely one to keep an eye on everybody that's going to be that's going to be a proper spicy game I suspect yeah Ronnie Dylas come into club and I I think already looks very comfortable there. I I definitely expect them to push very hard for the title. I think uh, some of these players that have come in are, are real quality. Uh, look really good. Hugo Vettelson, as you were both saying, guys, I think is a particularly exciting one. For me, he's been one of the most interesting signings of the summer. Um, one of the ones I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of. Fantastic numbers, fantastic numbers in Scandinavia. If he can do anything like that here, he's going to be absolutely sensational. And, and I think probably has the potential to be, I'm going to go as far, you know, hot take really early, everybody, a potential player of the season to kind of keep an eye on if he can do anything like that here in Belgium that that he did in Scandinavia but yeah I think Ronnie Dyla coming in is going to just shift the dynamic inside club and and freshen things up and I think he will get inside players heads and and re-motivate some of the players who who perhaps weren't as motivated as they should be and you know injecting some of the 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 new talent that's come in I think is really going to help them sort of reset everything as well that'll be what they're hoping of course but there's no reason to suspect that won't be the case because pretty much everywhere he's gone he's he, he, he has done that Ronnie Dyla so I I expect a totally different club this coming season and a and a very offensive and and positive one as well. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see striker wise how they line up because obviously yeah you've got Yukla, you've now got Thiago. I don't know whether Barber is going to get game time over them and then Yuremchuk scored six goals uh, against KFC Heist, that <laughs> well-renowned provincial side. Um, but again. <laughs> 
he, he's he's still a factor, like getting the best out of him. Like it, it's going to be really interesting. They could do with a striker that may come in being fit for the season and scoring enough goals because it's been a while since they've had one right at the top of the scoring charts. But yeah, I think they're going to be up there and we'd be very, very surprised if they weren't. And if they're not, Ronnie Dyler will not be there at the end of the season. I think if they're not challenging for the title, I don't think he's going to be able to stay, but I'd expect him to do quite well. Ghent, I think I tipped them to win the league last year and obviously got it horribly wrong because it's Ghent and they just do Ghent things. But again, they've been pretty solid in the transfer window so far this summer. They brought in Tushui Watanabe from Kortrijk for about 3.5 million. Ismail Kandus, as well as we already mentioned, Peter Gherkins as well. And then Perth Glory's Keegan Jelasic, 20-year-old Australian, definitely one to look out for. Darko's gone. Darko Limayic, he's gone back to Latvia. He joins RFS. Badis, he's gone as well. Badis and Gigi Afoy, he's gone to Hajik Split on a free. Bruno Godoy, he's gone to St. Truden for free. Suleiman Mala, kind of no surprise, he's left. Doesn't have a club at the moment. Jordan Bataka as well. Camel Pietkos, he's gone back to Salzburg. And Jens Peter Hauger, who we all thought was going to go back in January, actually made it to the end of the season. And now he's gone back to Frankfurt. Rumours coming out today that uh, I think it's Borussia Mönchengladbach are looking at Jordan Toluna Liga. So he may not be around, but who knows by the time the season kicks off. In terms of returnees, Gianni Bruno's back, but expected to leave. Same with Georgi Chakvetadze. I think, Scott, you're going to obviously go first on this one. I think they, they probably are looking to bring in a couple more players to kind of fill out the squad a little bit but from the outset again I'm looking at this team and thinking this team should be right up there in terms of competing because that first 11 they've got goals and they've got a very very solid defence Yeah I'm I'm actually really liking the business that, that Ghent have done so far um, this summer I think it's been uh, pretty good I think there's quality and, and depth there um, which obviously is important and here's the thing with Ghent I mean if they can avoid the, the sort of injury crisis that they did last season and keep this squad fit because nobody of real significance has has left yet, then Ghent could do something kind of quite interesting. It's a big if, obviously, but I just I just feel they're in a, a better place this time now than they, they were last year. They just need to avoid having the injury crisis that they had last season. The squad is is bigger, will be a bit bigger than last season. Um, that's a deliberate choice. I think it's also a, a bit pragmatic because of the injuries last season. I think they felt, well, you know, probably we were wrong to, to, to go with, you know, quite a slimmed down squad. Hein van Heisenberg's been talking about that kind of quite a lot. It feels that he was wrong about that. So they've taken a different approach to that this season, which I think is probably the right one. But the players that have come in, Watanabe and Kandus, Gherkins, again, all know this league, all have a bit of quality about them. Yelisic, obviously, plenty of talent there. We don't know how quickly he'll hit the ground running. If it's anything like Gift Orban, then we're going to be in for a treat. Gift is still there, of course. Up front, they're kind of spoilt for riches, actually. You know, Orban's still there. De Poitra, who, you know, is, is pretty much the utility striker now, he's still there, but still a useful player to have. Kuiper's uh, top scorer last season, still there. 
Can he reproduce the goods again? No reason to suspect why not. He's got plenty of competition to keep him motivated. And of course, Gianni Bruno, who I think we're all still expecting to leave and go elsewhere, is, as of recording, still still at the club. In terms of the bigger picture again, it's worth remembering that they've they've now uh, signed a deal with a Flemish businessman, Sam Barrow, who, who is a fan of the club, doesn't have a background in football, but he's going to come in and invest something in the region of, of 30 million euros in the club, which kind of changes the landscape a little bit in that, you know, the, the, the club being up for sale up until recently meant that anybody really had a, had a price as they do in football, but things are slightly more secure now that they have that new uh, main shareholder in place, which means the pressure to sell anybody is is definitely lessened. Plenty of interest in Orban, and he may well leave for for a big fee. Um, yeah, but even if he does, I, I feel there's a there's a strong squad there to to push hard in in playoff one and to to, to hopefully um, really really go for the title. Uh, they they're not making sounds like that, but I look at the squad and I think, as I was saying, if they can keep it fit and start start to go on a consistent run, which you know wasn't something unfortunately they were able to do as often as they liked last season, then they could emphasis on good have a right good season again. Well, fifth place is their place. So that's uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see if they do better or worse. Worse, I, I doubt it. And I believe the squad is indeed uh, good enough now. Even when I still believe Orban will leave, and I would also expect Bruno to leave anyway yeah. as well. So at least some of these strikers are uh, of this striking uh, luxury might go. With the Patre, he's also still out with a, a, an injury at his Achilles tendon, and he's aging. So what can he still bring? Wouldn't expect too much of him also well still have to see same as with Oya to, to bring it again back to, to Hank but like how Tissedali now after whole season will will, will fare he he made some appearances and even scored already in the back end of last season but in playoff two which was already really hints uh, for a take at, at that time interesting to see how Fofana will fare as well if he, how he will develop uh, and if he still gets uh, a look in as well uh, in with all these uh other strikers and then wingers uh, as well there. Well, actually, that they don't really have that many wingers, but it's also a bit part of of, of, uh, of the system, I suppose. Not so heavy on the wingers, uh, with only Fofana and Tisodali at the moment. Uh, I have put Tisodali as winger, but of course he can also be a striker, but uh, since they otherwise really have no wingers, <laughs> I have put him there. Yeah, I also have to see Castromentos might still be leaving. Their, their business has not is, is definitely not done yet. Uh, and uh, even if uh, the squad is already quite big, uh, it, it, you can't go without Van Adelbroek saying that he wants uh, more quality and depth in his squad. But uh, that already happens as uh, as per usual. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to see which uh, what what will happen. I guess Okumu is also still rumored. So there's 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 a lot of rumors of outgoing players which haven't materialized yet. Depending on how many and which players that uh, that will materialize, their their season could look uh, different. And of course, what they will do with uh, whatever money they would get from from that as well. But. The, the players they have brought in can't really say anything um, bad about it. Although I'm not sure if, like, especially a Hirkus is like a player really for 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 a team 
that wants to fight for a title. Well, I guess he's a good rotation player to have in your team anyway, though. All in all, so far, good business, uh, but a lot of changes might still come. Yeah, no, I think that their squad could look quite different, couldn't it? Uh, depending on, yeah, like you said, you know, it's kind of what happens further down the line. I guess for central midfield as well, like bringing the Gherkins, you're just kind of, you've got a little bit of a buffer for if the start gets injured again or, I mean, Combs has been pretty reliable despite his age, but again, you just don't know what's going to happen to him. Hill Saga as well, like that central area, they just always seem to pick up injuries and even kind of like, yeah, what you said, Scott, if they can avoid injuries, then they'd be they'd be okay. But that just wasn't the case last year and that was definitely their downfall. One side that had a great season last season, Circle of Bruges, I feel, I feel like they kind of just do the same sort of transfer business every year. Like I feel like they just, like, we obviously know how Carlos and his team operates and it just you can kind of tell a lot of it kind of does seem to get done early. So they brought in 20-year-old Ecuadorian winger Alan Minder from Independiente del Val for around about 2 million euros. Um, so a reasonably large transfer fee, if that's what it is, for Circler. They brought in Maxim de Lange, obviously Belgian youth international goalkeeper from Nice uh, on a free. So that's a good bit of business there. Nils de Veld comes in from Andelect Futures. And then the only Monaco loanee that we have at the moment is French slash Cape Verdean uh, Jordan Samedo, who can play at left back or maybe as a left midfielder in their kind of 3-5-2 uh, sort of formation. In terms of outgoings, we already talked about Charles Van Hoot. Uh, he leaves to join Union. Dino Hotic, everyone knew he was off. Didn't expect him to go to Lech Poznan, though, but that's where he's ended up. Frank Canute, remember him? Uh, he's gone to Partizan Belgrade. I always felt like Frank Canute was going to be really, really good, but it didn't really work out for him with Circle. Arne kasset has gone to Lockerlin Thames for three. Then Jorn Masalan, Radoslav Majeki and David Sousa have all returned to their parent clubs. Majeki and Masalan obviously back to Monaco. Thomas Didlion has obviously come the other way. But I get I don't I don't know, I don't I haven't spread anything or seen anything, but I've just kind of wasn't even considering him as an option um, for them because he went obviously to Monaco alone. So interested to see the goalkeeping situation and where they go it for this. We know obviously having been into their kind of little war room, how they kind of lay, line all these players up in terms of like where they're considered. And Paul, was it Sebastian Bruzzi? Uh, Bruzzi is kind of considered as like like more of a coach than a goalkeeper, but he's still in the books as a goalkeeper. But and I guess the kind of only real hanging over moment uh, for them yours is Ueda. Like it's expected that he will leave eventually. I think Carlos has said they want ten million euros for him. So I mean that'd be almost ten times what they spent on him last year, which would be quite incredible if they could get that sort of money. But I'm just looking at the squad and I'm thinking, yeah, it just seems like they've still got the quality that they had last year. If Ueda goes, they'd probably want to replace him, but it just looks pretty well set up. Maybe another central midfielder, but I think they've got a nice balance of the players that they have in there at the moment. And Van Hoot didn't always he always play as well. So I don't know. It, it, I feel quite confident of knowing Circle and what Circle are going to bring compared to a lot of the other teams in the Pro League at the moment. I share the concern for uh, central midfield at the moment. Um, so uh, I believe they could use some in the enforcement there. Yeah, Ueda most likely going to leave. I guess they still have Denki uh, that could uh, fill in a lot, but... He might also uh, actually, yeah, well, that combination worked really well. So he, he might be um, needing another partner uh, with him. 
I'm not sure if Emilio Kier is the one that that would take up that role, uh, or rather a new per, new guy they would bring in, uh, which is more likely. But it will be difficult, of course, to to really perform at the same level or reach the same heights as last season. But uh, I do believe they should should have enough quality with them uh, and and a good manager with them that that should be enough for at least a good season in the, in, in mid table. And well, with all the playoffs that are going to happen uh, this season, we probably need to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, I guess more towards the end of this episode. Yeah, we we might see them somewhere. Well, yeah, mid table actually, really. Like maybe. Well, since there's six places in in the playoff one again this season, maybe maybe they might be fighting for that last spot. Even I I could see that. But a lot will depend on this striking position in indeed central midfield. Yeah, I think there's a general feeling that things at Circle are are, are pretty settled. Um, as Ben was getting at, there hasn't been any real reason to panic or any reason to to perform major surgery on 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 Carlos's part. And there'll be certain players who obviously they were expecting to leave anyway. So there's been no real kind of surprises for them, which is obviously something that you you, you want to avoid. And Circular, another side that I think have proven in the last couple of years that they're. Their succession planning is, is is pretty good. You know they're on a a right good uh, pathway at the moment, and I think it's a case of of more of the same really. And they will hope that they can achieve the same levels of consistency, and and you know try and emulate them. Obviously, that 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 will be the 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 target. Things things there look look kind of quite good. I agree with you guys. I think, you know, if they can achieve anything like they did last season, then, you know, they'll have had another extremely good season. But I think the the business they've done so far has has, has been uh, pretty sound. The Oida situation is an interesting one because we're all waiting to see what happens there. Like you, I, I suspect there's a there's a there's a very good chance he will be leaving if 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 the right fee comes in. But because of their succession planning thing, I was saying I think they will they will know who they want to bring in when that time comes. And if they get the fee that they want, then you know that gives them even more more leeway there. Um, but the recruitment, you know, has been very good um, recently. And again, they're one of the, I, for me anyway, one of the the best sides to watch in the Pro League. I think they play kind of exciting football. They're, they're a good side circle. Lots of good things happening there. And it'll be just really interesting to see if they can, you know, maintain the levels of consistency that they, they, they set last year. Because remember, it is it, the youngest side um, and I think it probably still will be, Joris can correct me if I'm wrong actually, but one of the youngest sides in, in the league and that's always exciting because that's a side that's always going to develop if they can replace you know, some of the names that they miss. Looking forward to having a look at Alan Minda, somebody to watch out for who's already there of course, who was looking really, really good at certain moments towards the tail end of last season was Jan Gaboho. He's definitely one to look out for this season. I, th- I think he's a really, really good player and um, he was shown, shown signs of really being able to kind of go up a level or two um, so I'm looking forward to seeing if he can he can do that in the coming season and as Joris was saying, um, Kevin Denke is still there and we know how useful Kevin can be. On that age uh, thing I do not have any specific numbers there but yeah, obviously they were one of the youngest or maybe even the youngest squad last season they all, they've all gotten one year older but um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, also in their <laughs> also, in their recruitment so far, the oldest player has is uh, 22. So, um, yeah, yeah. that all the rest is 20, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So, the recruitment for for yeah 
from young for youngsters uh, definitely here. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd be shocked if they weren't still uh, the youngest team. I mean, Hotic has got and he was twenty seven, so he's, he is one of the older ones. Um, so yeah, they've probably got younger somehow. But yeah, no. <laughs> Very much looking forward to watching Circle again. And yeah, you guys know I'm a massive Kevin Denke fan and believer. So I'm sure he'll do great again. Long throw-ins into the box. He just needs a new partner for Wader goes for that that long throw-in where they hit him in the chest. He plays it off to Wader and Wader smashes it in. But I'm sure they've worked that all out in training. Standard of the age. Obviously, no Ronnie Dyler. So they went and took one of Club Bruges' former coaches in Carl Hufkins. He's been joined in standard by a couple of arrivals, lots of central midfielders actually. Uh, Hayo Kawabe who joined Wolves and then barely played for Wolves, went out on loan. He comes in for about 1.5 million euros, give or take. Aidan O'Neill comes in from Melbourne City. Isaac Price signs on a free from Everton under-21s. Romain Mundell comes in from Tottenham's under-21s. I know that uh, Standard and Anderlecht were battling for him. And Zeno Vandhausen is back in the building. He joins on loan from Inter, I believe, with a purchase option. In terms of outgoings, there have been a fair few which we kind of expected. Matteo Caffaro, uh, if you remember him, he's fully gone to St Etienne now. Goike Simrot, he's gone to Alfaya. Nerdisen, captain, he's gone to Lausanne. These are all for free. Abdul Tatsoba uh, has joined Amiens on loan. Alexander Kalut has gone to Leuven, but he's already been injured quite badly, which is a real, real shame for him. Philip Zinkenagel back to Olympiakos. Standard did want to bring him back, but it's looking less and less likely. They also wanted to bring back Stelvan, Steven Azate, but he's gone back to Brighton and I haven't seen if he's moved on again, but again, it seems unlikely he'll come back. Uh, Filippo Melagoni has gone back to Genoa. Um, I don't think they want to bring him back and I don't think they should bring him back, but that's just my decision and opinion. Uh, Dennis Dragos <laughs> has come back from Genoa. Um, and then, is that, yeah, Joachim van Damme's back as well. Um, not sure we'll see much of Joachim van Damme, but hey, there you go. Um, you're going to you first on this one. I guess the real question for Standard is can Carl Hufkins, well, the real questions because there's more than one, can Carl Hufkins repeat what Ronnie Dyler managed to do with them last year? And does Noah Ohio have it in him to score enough goals to be their leading striker? Because they didn't have goals in the team. Philip Zinkanag was the goals. He's gone, and now we're all like all the media, everyone, we're all looking at Noah Ohio and saying, it's got to be him because we don't trust any of the other strikers in this squad. To be blunt and short answers and without any reservations, I'll say no for both or well, all three questions there that you that you answer, asked there. That uh, That's just a, a gut feeling answer as well, though. Uh, difficult to judge them at the moment, to be honest. I do feel like their squad has become a bit weaker at the moment. Yeah, just it's also difficult to judge it's the central midfielders. A lot of changes there. Uh, they brought in a few players, but well, players we don't can't really judge, and also young players like Azel with Circle to come back to them as well. Like this young squad's age, it can be a, a blessing, but it can also be a uh, yeah, it, it can also be yeah detrimental for a squad as if things go uh, south. They'll have to see um, how uh, how they react in that such cases. A lot of players left. They, not a lot of players have come in. And the players that have come in, it's really difficult to judge. So, uh, except for Zeno van Heusden, but there we always have... Uh, yeah, it's sad to say that, but that, that the reason that he's again coming back, uh, of course, solely because of the ongoing injury issues that he uh, keeps having. Uh, let's hope he can have a, um, yeah, a better season this season again uh, and, and be um, yeah, of worth 
for them as well. I feel like the numbers are there, the quantity is, is all right, but is the quality enough? And I tend to say no at the moment. And with Karel Hoefkes, I also still have to have to see. It's really difficult. His managerial career at Kubrick has been so weird, as a, especially as a, when he was a T1 there. Is he a good coach? Is he a manager? Is he not? Is he, yeah, in, in under such circumstances, is he good? What are, what are the expectations? Expectations are always there at Standard as well, but probably still, uh, given current situations uh, and, and circumstances um, and well, some realism even amongst the fans, a little less as uh, than, than with uh, at Club Brugge uh, in recent years, will he be able to cope with it and uh, will he thrive or crumble? A lot of question marks. Yeah, Joris has absolutely nailed that. Uh, one of the big questions of the season, you know, what are Standard Liège going to do? I think the Joris highlighting the lack of quality, I think, is, is quite right. I think that is a bit of a worry. There, there has been, I think, would be, be fair to say, probably underwhelming investment, shall we say. Um, I remember some people really raising an eyebrow um, a few weeks ago when it seemed to be that the 777, the owners at Standard, said, yep, you can have five or six million to, to spend, which isn't isn't going to get you very much um, at all. Looking at their transfer business up to now, 20th July, when we, we when we record, you would have to say that some of the noises that Ronnie Dyla was making about, I want reassurances about investment, you know, the sorts of things he was saying, you know, before he, he jumped ship to go to the club appear to have been proven to be right. You know, he was obviously aware that they weren't really going to open the checkbook um, in, in even a kind of modest way. I don't think they have. And that, that should be a continuing worry. We know what the club's model is. We know they want to try and bring through as many young players as possible um, from the academy longer term, which is, which is right. And we know that they want to buy players you know, uh, uh, modest fees who can have a, a a reasonable impact. They don't want to go out and spend big fees on 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 quality that you know is is might make a difference, but it's going to cause them financial trouble. So there are still long-standing structural and financial issues here that the club are dealing with. But when you look at the squad today, as Joris was saying, yeah, it's difficult to look at that and get kind of too too excited at the moment. I don't think they're stronger than last year. I think how their season pans out may well come down to yeah the 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 impact that Karl Ofkins and uh, his his T2 who's rather famous in his own right Mr Yaya Toure uh, will, will have on this squad I think if they can really motivate this team push more out of them than perhaps there there actually is like Ronnie Dyla did for a lot of last season then they, they might be able to um, go close to a playoff one spot but I'm not looking at this at the moment and thinking yeah they, sh- they should be able to push hard for that they've been very quiet actually about their overall objectives as well which I think kind of confirms that you know they they, they know where they're at at the moment really exciting to see Zeno van Huysen back um, despite his injury um, worries and I'm just crossing all of my fingers and toes that he can stay fit and um, have a really good consistent season because he's he, he is a really promising player still who still has, has, has much to offer. The striking issue Joris touched on it that's a pretty big worry. I might not Ohio fan, I, I like him a lot but I, 
haven't seen enough yet to suggest that he's going to be able to maybe go and score 15 or 20 goals sort of you know return that, that Stander would want from him Remain Mundell obviously coming in and there's a lot of expectation on young Remain Mundell's um, shoulders and of course he's made the move from English football on the promise that he'll get, get regular football at Standard, which I'm sure he will if he can do well then, then Standard might have a better season than we all expect at the moment but at the moment I have just a slightly underwhelming feeling that, that, that gives me that, that, that deja vu that we've had probably for about three years now but we'll, we'll see Yeah it feels like we're just kind of talking the same that we were talking last year but then at least last year we were saying well they've got Raskan they've got uh, Amala so they've got that little bit of quality but then you look at this team you're like oh, I don't know there's so many unknowns there's, there's the quality in Van Huysen like you guys have said but again the injuries are concerned since Chanak we've seen a little bit maybe we need to see some more William Balakwish was great last year I think he, he, he was a fantastic player for them so he's going to still perform but yeah I'd, I, I'm kind of in the the same with you guys. I'm disappointed in kind of how the the lack of clear direction investment from seven 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 has gone, and I don't. I'm getting more and more skeptical as time goes on about how they operate. If you know what I mean, like, I just don't really understand what their overall goal is for standards. So we'll see. Maybe we'll be shocked, well surprised, but I have a feeling it's yeah. Top six is it. I'm not going to say it's a pipe dream for them, but I think you be a very uh, glass half full kind of standard fan um, if that's the one of you thinking that was a possibility this year because it's going to be tough. Let's move on to Westerlo, obviously one of the promoted sides last year. I'm slightly concerned. I was concerned about them at the end of the season and I'm still a little bit concerned about them now, but there's still time for them to make some moves. Uh, they brought in Jordan, Jordan Boss from Melbourne City to replace Maxime de Kuyper. Artie Piedfoot, he joins from Young PSV on the three. He's a young Belgian centre-back. Thomas van der Kavis, as we already said, he joins from Club Bruges permanently, which is a good signing. And then Tur Lomans comes in, another young player. He joins from Young Gen. Let's get to the outgoings, though. Igor Vettakele, he's gone to Lommel. Jori de Quervi, he has gone to Hootvene in the fourth tier. I, I'm sure most people are like, I had no idea who that guy is from last season. <laughs> <laughs> Ogus Kagan Gutekin has gone to Bullerspor. Tio Deeks, uh, he's left the club. Kuya Mabea, he's also left the club. De has gone back. Brian Reynolds has gone back. Douglas Nene has gone back. Nasser Chadley's gone back, but there's so many rumours about him coming back again. But then Lucas Miniero has gone back to Plaga as well. Still got Jonas De Rock though, so they've still got a very, very good manager. But I don't know, I'm looking through the side and goal scoring is obviously the big concern. Uh, they've been le- linked... Uh, recently with a 20-year-old Croatian striker who looks like he could be quite interesting. But again, you have to wait and see to see what happens there. Wingers as well, yeah, very, very young, very, very experienced. You're hoping that Jan Bernat can potentially come back. But I don't know, guys, I'm looking through this team. Scott, I think it's your turn to go first this time. But I'm I'm a bit concerned. And I think they're definitely one of the teams that I've got like that kind of asterisk on that need to do more work before the end of the transfer window because otherwise uh, they could potentially be in a bit of a struggle. Yeah, I think they, they, they're a little bit vulnerable, I think um, with, a, with, with a small V, I, w- I would definitely agree with you there, Ben. I think that it's interesting to hear Jonas de Rock this week 
um, saying that he himself isn't too worried. He says they've got a lot of targets and the word he was using, patience. So there's obviously a lot of moving pieces around in the background as, as there always are. It's a difficult one for them because I think in, in lots of respects they they arguably overachieved last season as well, which, which yeah, m- makes going into this year puts a little bit of pressure on them probably. Um, as you were saying, Jonas de Rock's a very good coach and I, I think the owners will be relying on, on him to to ring the best out of, of, of the players. I think there will be more movement. Obviously, we're, we're a little bit over a week away from, from the season starting now and, and a lot can still happen in that time. So the picture in relation to Westerlo could change a fair bit. But yeah, I, I think that there are some reasons to kind of be concerned and um, if they don't add a few faces, then I wouldn't expect them to to have as good a season as they as they did um, last year. Although they were very good at home, their home form last year was was really very strong and consistent for the most part. So if they can maintain anything like that in terms of their output, then I think they'll, they'll probably have a, a, an okay season. But at the moment, I think a playoff two spot is, is probably the best that they can hope for. If they can add a little bit more before then, then, then possibly they could they could push a bit harder. It's, it's getting a run going and getting some consistency going that's going to be very important for them in their confidence, I think, because they are a side who, you know, if that doesn't happen, those basics don't fall into place, then they could get dragged into into that kind of relegation playoff if if they're not careful. I don't mean to be a doomsayer about it, but looking at the the squad at the moment, there is the potential for that if if they can you know if they can't get some consistency going. But really good coach De Rock and and the owners there have been quite good with their recruitment actually generally. So I would maybe be trustful that you know some some names are going to come in yet that that could have some 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 impact for them. But yeah, as of as of the twentieth of July a week out then yes yeah, some reasons for concern well only because of the not materializing yet because maybe in two days time it already changes like the rumors for Frigan or our discretion yep. striker he's rumored to go in by for six million which would quadruple their uh, previous record transfer and well there's a few more rumors as well already I believe for a midfielder I don't know exactly but also that for a few uh, a million where they're also pushing still to bring Reynolds in uh, again as well the main thing will still be the striker, but uh, Frigan, well, I believe for, for a club like Westerlo, that actually would be a, quite a coup to, to get him. And that's uh, meant with a, a lot of respect for the club as well. I'm less worried than you guys, I believe, but that's also because I believe that the, there is a few incomings, well, really, really close uh, to, to being there uh, already as well. And um, of course, if nothing materializes in the end, it might go differently, but there should also be enough money but just given by the rumors behind it that if need be later on in the transfer window and things uh, change a bit um, with the targets just basically based on money which is not always a good indicator but generally tends to be one in football as well they, they should be fine for well I'm the believe a play of two spot they, like, they I think they would be happy with that as well but um, I do not see a second season syndrome for them at the moment uh, whether that's entirely up to them or what to the state of other clubs that uh, uh, as of as of now, that's uh, that's a different question maybe as well. Yeah, and no, I think I kind of that's my opinion is going to be definitely swayed by the rest of the teams that we're going to go over later because yeah, while I'm concerned that they may struggle, I don't think 
they're anywhere near being in the four worst teams, even if their squad stayed exactly the same as it was now. To be honest, like especially with Duroc, I, I trust him as a coach as well to get the best out of the players that he's got at his disposal. Let's go over to Charleroi. The Zebras quite understandably have been going attacking in their kind of recruitment strategy. Uh, Yusuf Badji, as we already mentioned, he comes in permanently and he started to play a little bit better or start to find out a little bit more at the back end of the last season. So hopefully he can continue that confidence because you forget he's only still 21 years old, the Senegalese forward. Antoine Bernier, we kind of knew about that one for a while. He's officially joined from Salang. Ode Debag comes in, the Palestinian striker from Aruka. Really interested to see what he can bring and see if he is kind of another one of their answers to their striking prayers, the 24-year-old. And then Zan Rogelj comes in from WSG Tyrol in Austria. The Slovenian 23-year-old winger has joined for free as well. In terms of outgoings, Ali Golizadze is joining Lech Poznan for around about just under 2 million euros, maybe a little bit less. So we're going to have a Dino Hotic Ali Golizade partnership going on in Lech Poznan. So they may actually be a, a team to watch if you're into a bit of Polish football <laughs> this season. Because, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, so those two players together could be quite fun. Kiembe, we've already mentioned, going to Genk. Didier Desprez, uh, he's gone to Dudeland in Luxembourg. Narius Petkevicius has gone to Hegelman and he is actually currently playing right now uh, in the Europa Conference League and his side are 5-0 down against Scoopy, the North Macedonian side. <laughs> they are also now playing the second leg away. So poor old Hegelman, uh, which I think is based in Kaunas, Lithuania. Uh, they lost their first leg of their game 5-0. So yeah, poor Norris. And then Vaku Bayer, he's gone back to Watford. Uh, they've also got Magiotti's come back from Laval and then obviously uh, Loic Bassell has come back in from Erpen. For for these guys, Joris, obviously go to you for this one. I think kind of like with Circle of Bruges, I'm looking at this squad and I'm seeing Adam Zorgan's name and I'm kind of thinking he's just not going to be there come the end of the transfer window. I feel like he surely is going to leave. Like There's all that talk. Maybe even Morioka as well. There's been chat about him leaving. But I, I think at least they've gone out. They've gone and got the forward in the bag. They've got Badgy. So like striker-wise, I'm not as kind of fearful for them. I guess it's kind of like, it really depends on the formation they want to play in terms of how they're going to use some of these other players. Because... The only real like out and out fullback you've got is yours Van Cleanput, but even then they play him quite often as a they play him as a central defender. Um, and we know Mazu does like to have a three five to three at the back and then five across. So you maybe look at Ken and Cooper, Jackson Tatchwhite to kind of fill those roles. Bernie, maybe I don't know if he could really fill that kind of gap as well. But I, I think they actually look quite good on paper. I'm not saying they're going to be wow and amazing, but I, I kind of look at the squad and I think it looks reasonably balanced. Am I a bit mad or have I read them correctly? Uh, in your opinion, Joris? Difficult to say. I guess I'm slightly less optimistic as than you, but at the same time, our conclusion might end up doing the same. Like it's, I, I, well, I, I just went over it again and I, I just see decency. Like any, it's something I actually say a lot about Charlevoix. Maybe it's a stereotype I have in my head with them. I see decency, nothing too special, except my favorite Sorgan, of course. But yeah, indeed, he might be leaving. But apart from him, nothing special. 
decent players though, uh, especially wingers and in midfield. There's some players with like yeah, I, I do like their their uh, their wingers in Cuba, Chachua, and Benza as well. Actually, all very speedy. Actually, um, uh, in that sense, there there's not always the end product, which is again already maybe the question mark for me still. That's why I'm uh, a bit more skeptical. Who's going to score the goals? We know Baji is a, can be a decent striker at times. Dabach has done reasonably well in in Portugal, but like it's not that he's backed to ten plus goals per season either, uh, or even once I believe. Yeah, that that's the main question mark up front, uh, like last season, I guess uh, still for me. But yeah, for the rest, the squad is it's big, it's balanced. Yeah, I mean, you both highlight highlighted the fact that it's you know a very a very balanced squad, and I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think you know I'm quite looking forward to seeing more of uh, Odi Daba see what he can do I think I think there's some real potential there um, I think he's he's quite exciting Zan Rogelsh as well I, we know about Felice Mazu we know what a wily coach he is he's very good at bringing more out of some players than they, they, they actually naturally have in their tanks as well I think the squad is as well as being balanced I think it, it's perhaps better fitted now with some of those departures to, to go out and play 3-5-2 in a way that Mazu would want as well despite the fact that you know some of those departures are 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 reasonably big names from a shallower perspective. There, there is some quality there that 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 has gone. But having said that, you know things need freshened up sometimes, and I, I don't think Aligal Zade was at his best for a lot of last season anyway. So there's an argument that perhaps they they, they might not miss him as much as you, you you would think. Difficult to know actually. Again, this is one of those. I think the first ten games are going to be very telling for us to see maybe how their season will will pan out. As I was saying, Felice is very very good at you know getting aside essentially to kind of overperform. I think if he can do anything close to that with with this squad, then they they could be a bit of a surprise package in in some way. But there's there's some players there you know that I'm I'm looking forward to watching. But interesting you know on the Badgie point, largely underwhelming obviously last season. Now that the move's been kind of confirmed as as permanent and he's going to be you know a regular starter and and well we think a regular regular starter probably with Daba to see what sort of a partnership they can they can strike up because that that's the sort of thing that could obviously make a, a whole difference to to their season. At the moment I think you know solid playoff two place I, I would have no no hesitation in, in, in saying that. The rest of it is all you know a question of whether they can get, get the juices flowing isn't it? Yeah no definitely I think yeah <laughs> when you said you look through and it's decent I think that does kind of just sum them up. Although then you, you did say you know, there's not much excitement maybe in the squad but then they've got Herb Coffee and goal and what more excitement do you need than the cat himself so. He's a one man show. Exactly exactly but yeah hopefully hopefully <laughs> a little bit more of an exciting side to watch next season um, with a bit more goal scoring would be nice from the Zebras. Mark Beers, Leuven side are next. And yeah, they've been pretty active as well, kind of having to replace certain players that have moved on, but they're definitely missing a couple of profiles that I guess we'll, yeah, we'll talk about now. Uh, in terms of incomings, they brought in Ezekiel Banzuzi uh, from Mac Breda. Uh, the central midfield Dutch Congolese spent a couple, just over a million euros apparently on him. Raz Shlomo comes in from Maccabi Netanya. These ones are difficult for me to say. Israeli centre-back. Uh, Kento Misao comes in from Santa Clara. A Japanese international midfielder. Alexander Kalu, obviously from Standard, but injured, so unfortunately might not see much of him. Mandela Kater's back, but might be gone as well. 
Louis Patrice, after his fantastic season, he has joined Anderlecht. Musa Altamari has gone to Montpellier. Uh, Jao Gamboa, uh, he's gone to Pogonstetchen in Poland. Yeah, he was obviously from Estoril, went back to Estoril in January, so just a terrible transfer, kind of bit of business from Leuven, part of their terrible transfer business last season. Dylan Cordrago, he's now out of contract. And then Mario Gonzalez is back to Blaga. Which means that we're looking at Nathaniel Opoku to score the goals for these guys this season because there's really not much else apart from Natural and Singi, but he's kind of more of a winger. Sofin Kien, after his ridiculous, ridiculous kind of crash, car crash, he's back um, being kind of repatriated into the, into the side. Casper Denor could be off as well. Uh, looks like he's signed with Millwall. They're just banging out a fee. So looks like they'll be without Casper Denor. Yeah, I guess, Scott, I'm just, again, I'm coming into a season with Lerven just feeling very, very, underwhelmed they might sign Conan and Dree which obviously people that listen to this podcast before know that I'm a big Conan and Dree fan so suddenly if they sign him maybe I'll be super behind Lerven but I just I just don't get kind of the direction they're going in terms of we know what they need they need a goal scorer and yeah Apoku looked good for a little bit at the back end of last season but you don't really know I, I just don't know I don't again I don't really know what I'm thinking about them uh in terms of what to expect from them this season uh, yeah, I'm struggling. I really am struggling to kind of get my head around Leuven and I'm hoping that I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I can understand that. I'm I'm a little bit worried for them and in a way I shouldn't because, you know, I was just talking about a, a wily coach in, in Felix Mazu. I think Mark Bryce is a very underrated coach as well. I think he's proven actually that, you know, he knows his stuff. Um, and that probably you shouldn't really doubt him. But yeah, the recruitment's kind of been underwhelming. And I, I just have this, I, I, you know, I'm looking at the squad and I, I'm not really seeing where the goals are going to come from unless they get spread around kind of quite a lot, which is always a, a nice thing to be able to do, but also, you know, a bit of a worry as well because it, it's it's an alarm sign that, you know, you, you don't have enough in, in key offensive areas. Yeah, I mean, the, the squad, to me, looks a bit light um, to, to, to be able to kind of compete. And, you know, they, they had such a topsy-turvy year last season as well with arguably, you know, some more offensive power in it than the kind of squad as it looks presently does. I think Gonzalez is actually a very big loss. I think he did he did very well there, actually. And, and it's a shame that they kind of couldn't hold on to him, I think, because, you know, he's he had real impact there and, you know, hasn't, hasn't really been replaced um, in a way that, you know, they, I, I think ideally they would like. Having said that, I think when he came in last season, I don't think anyone would have expected him to have quite a, the impact that he did have. So on the whole, I'm quite worried about Leuven. As we've been saying about a lot of sides kind of chasing their tail and not necessarily being ready at a, a week out and a lot can happen in a week, obviously. I would expect some more movement, of course, before things, the real action kind of kicks off. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm worried for, for Leuven. Excited for Banzuzi, that's what I am. And for the rest, yeah, goals indeed. Like you, th- you both touched on it already. The big question mark. Because of that, I, I guess, well, I don't see them ending higher than 10th place more or less so lower mid table i don't necessarily see them much lower than that either but i guess that's that, that i would pinpoint them around 10 or 11 place something like that as the status of all teams at the moment and yeah we'll also have to see an interesting one of course is keita yeah most likely he will leave but they, and they might but for how 
much will he leave and what will would, the, would they do with the money they get from that as well maybe they are also just waiting on that together with what they will get for the Nora it depends as well of course we've already been talking a bit more about rumors uh, with, with Nandriel uh, potentially going in as well that would be Definitely an addition here, but also he he's not the most yeah prolific striker either. Well, he's not really a striker anyway. But that's um, it's it's uh, uh, but on the other hand, he would be uh, a really. I don't think I know a better replacement than Ndri for El Tamari. Like like they both really like to shoot from everywhere, and uh, and that's that's regardless <laughs> of the overall quality of the players. I, I do like both of the players in 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 a way, but that that specific trait I don't really like. And I think these are probably the two most well. It's it's most. Um, clear with both those players in the whole Belgian league I believe so that would be a really interesting replacement I find and yeah well outside of that Keen still being there um, it, it, it's still a bit weird we'll see how that actually evolves that situation but I, I find it weird that he's still there anyway but uh, that's uh, outside of the, the rest of the sportive merits and, and business not super excited just like you guys <laughs> I feel like there's another name we should chuck into that kind of shoot on site and that's got to be Abubakari uh, Koita from St. Luda doesn't it he used to love it. I remember that was like the first year of the podcast wasn't it his shots me and Scott praising it and Yoris just being like he does it every time <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he did it against Henk yes I remember <laughs> <laughs> maybe he listened no I love that I love that injury tomorrow and I think like, as I obviously big fan of injury but I just I just feel like he's kind of a very similar to Nacho and Singi. you're getting a similar sort of player in terms of can play as a striker can play as a winger but like you, you don't really you'll use him as a striker in certain situations but you don't want to be relying on that all the time and especially not on their own um, you want someone with them. So, yeah, let's hope they get some business done. And I, I think I'm not kind of predicting them to get relegated or anything like that because I, I believe in Mark Beers and I believe they've got a solid enough squad. It's just Leuven one of those sides that always want to see a little bit more from each year. I want to see some kind of like ambition and pushing up. And they, they do talk about it, but it's you see that they back it up that much. Uh, one side that's desperate to move up rather than anywhere else is Anderlecht. Safe to say that Anderlecht fans have been frustrated this summer transfer window so far. And... <laughs> Fred Berg and Reem have had to be like, just be patient. We've we've got our targets. We're pursuing them. Uh, one of those that they did get in was Casper Dolberg for a cut price deal. When you consider how much Nice spent on him, it's kind of the transfer in and around the four to five million euro mark. Louis Patrice, obviously, we just said from Leuven. Then Maxime Dupé from Toulouse, a French goalkeeper. He comes in to replace the outgoing Bart Verbruggen, who's gone to Brighton for around twenty million. Christopher Olsen, his move to Michelin was permanent. Hedrick van Klomberger, we already said. Uh, Timon Velenroyt has uh, gone permanently to Feyenoord. So, yeah, Dupe was pretty much needed. Lira Fayov, he's left to Maccabi Haifa. Islam Samani, there's a load of willy wonty, willy wonty. It now looks like he won't. So, he is clubless at the moment. Mo Dowdy, remember him? Uh, he's also clubless. Adrian Treble and Aristotle Nkaka have all left the club as well. This is, I guess, of the kind of the big boys with kind of like in in commas or in uh, speech marks, I guess you could say. Yours, this is kind of the one that you're like, this needs work, isn't it? And we all knew it needed work. Like we, they said they needed work before the season, like before the the season had finished last time. Everyone knew this side needed work, but it's still kind of I I you guys we've we've spoken about this already. They're obviously one of the teams because of like the nature of them and how many rumors we see that like, I I think. Dolberg could be a good signing, but it depends if he can stay fit. And then it seems like a place he'd go and rediscover his form. Patrice, we liked what we saw from him from Leuven. It'd be interesting to see how he fits into this side. Maxime Dupe, I mean, it just sounds like they've got 
a solid, experienced goalkeeper to come in. So I don't think that's too much of an issue. But they're desperate for wingers. Yari Vashan obviously out as well. So he's going to be a massive miss. So at the moment, going into the season, you're looking for eternal internal growth from the likes of Chris, uh, Christian Arnstad, maybe seeing a bit more from Angelo, Stroikens, Hannes Delcroix, Zina de Bass. Like you're looking for kind of these young guys to really push on a level and well, I don't know like, I feel like yeah we all kind of know that they really need to to get some more players in Sergi Canos has been rumoured a couple of other wingers have been rumoured but nothing's really come through the door yet mainly worrying that uh, since uh, Fredberg after January window immediately after that had said we'll, uh, we had to improvise a bit the, this time around in the summer we will really attack and be ready and everyone will be there before the training camp starts in the end Dolberg and Patrice materialised just about around that time of the training camp so that's that's uh, that they got that going for them but yeah there's definitely still a lot of work to do um apart from them do believe they need another striker as well um they did well have to give them that a bit or give them or things happened as well uh, they got, got a good sum for for Verbrugge and they lost a lot of big salaries, big wages in Van Kronbrugge, Trebel, uh, also in Kaka, uh, who didn't feature much with them, but because of that and for that reason actually had a quite a big contract for what he had uh Refailov also going they didn't get a sum for it but at least budgetary wise that should create some uh for the wage budget yeah they they replaced Verbrugge with Dupé you said a decent replacement it might be might be but on the other hand it's also the position where they might well one of the strongest positions they had if they replace that now with solid in theory that that could still be a downgrade so they would be less off on that position and that's the worry I have a bit for the whole squad that it feels like all at the moment still slightly less than last season of course indeed there's youngsters that, that are getting a bit more experienced and, and, and should perform better naturally because of that get a, 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 and bring them to a higher level uh, because of that but yeah, I, I feel like there still needs to be something more. I also feel like the that, that midfield, it's relatively stuffed with names, but it's not super um, balanced at the moment. Also, of course, Verschare being out until 24 doesn't help. That, that could change the outlook from the starting 11 at least uh, a lot and bring a bit more of that balance already. But uh, with him out, they, they really lack creativity at the moment, I believe. Like Dreyer can produce the goals, for example, but he's not necessarily the, the very creative winger. He has the end product, which which is important. That's definitely in the States that Anrich isn't at the moment. But the flash, let's say it like that, that that he he lacks a bit. Yeah. And yeah, Raman is still there. I don't think they're really counting on them on him. Struikus, it's a big bet to bet on him as, as well. Dolberg, uh, uh, I was wrong before. I told you guys that he played two full games uh, in the last two seasons or something like that. That's not true. It was in the last two clubs, which was both last season. So that's why he only played 90 minutes twice the uh, full game. <laughs> so, of course, now he rel- he joined relatively early in the window still. I guess, well, maybe for the next, f- for the first weeks, it might be still a bit of a struggle. But if he get, can get through that, that then maybe he physically be will be ready and, uh, and well prepared. Um, if he doesn't get injured as well, of course, another one of those players which have, has had his share, fair share of, of injury worries uh, 
So let's hope that does, that doesn't happen again. All in all, again, many question marks. Yeah, a lot of contracts running out uh, next year as well. So that, and on that front, there's also a lot of work to do. That's not necessarily for this window, although it might be related, uh, of course. There's a lot of question marks, I think, isn't there, guys? Um, I, I worry about the lack of depth. To, to be honest, at the moment, obviously there's still time for for things to change. Jesper Fredberg's actually been very, very patient at towing the line, which which I think is very brave and actually the right thing to do. We know they've been clearing the decks a lot, as Joris was saying. A lot of players on, on big wages have gone out and they really have um, addressed the, the vast majority of them now and are now in a position where they're, they're you know, able to kind of, you know, sort of build, build a new team, if you like. So a lot of the hard work is already done in a way I think the players that have come in such as they are I think Dahlberg's quality I think Patrice showed last season he was one of the best best defenders in Belgium and Dupe although I don't know a lot about him from what I do understand is that he, he really does fit the profile of the way that they want to play so um, I have no reason to suspect that he won't be a, a decent signing for them despite the loss of, of Bart Verbruggen but I do worry about the, the lack of depth and it's interesting because you know Fredberg was also saying recently that the, their objective for the coming season is is playoff one um if they achieve that then they can revise those objectives and to be fair that should be their objective of course I mean this is Anderlecht we're talking about but looking at that squad at the moment I I don't see a playoff one squad there because of the the lack of depth so I, I do think they need more if they're if they're going to achieve that. I think longer term, because some of those big earners are out now and some of the financial um, issues have, are, are, are being balanced and addressed, I think they're leaving themselves much more wiggle room to, to do more business. So they are a club who could be more active than most in, in January if, if, if need be. But Jesper Fredberg was only saying a couple of days ago that what he's not going to do is go out and buy 10 players and hope that maybe five of them come off. He would rather rather just sign two or three who who had an instant impact, uh, which I completely understand. And it's probably the right but highly risky strategy because, you know, at the moment they're relying on the quality that is there performing and staying uh, free of injury as well, which which is a big ask. And it comes back to that depth point that, that worries me. I, I do feel they, they need more because, you know, what happens if, if you know, Casper Dolberg picks up a, an injury for a while, for example, you know, the, the, the weight on his shoulders at the moment is is significant and, you know, much greater than I think it needs to be. Yours is right. I do think they need a, another striker of a, a reasonably proven pedigree um, just, just for depth and, and competition more, more than anything else. I, I think they will do more business before the season um, kicks off. I, I don't have any doubt about that at all, but there are, there are a few reasons to be concerned they are at the moment yeah you guys are doubting the uh the class of benito ramen <laughs> i mean you never know uh he does come off the bench and score though i'm a i'm a benito ramen believer there's still there's still a player there he can still do a job but if that's if he stays um no i think yeah we all know they've got a lot of work to do so let's kind of see how they get on and by the end of august we'll have a kind of better idea of where they're at in terms of kind of expectations 
uh, compared to other sides around them. And just one final point Andrew Licker would make is because of the situation with the squad at the moment is I think there's huge pressure on Brian Reimer if the season starts kind of as it is at the moment with that squad because that first 10-12 games then become absolutely mm. key. You know, if they don't have a reasonably good start then I think he would be in trouble come that point. Um, which would be unfortunate because that's not necessarily his fault as well. But I think he knows that. He said quite early on after he came in that he knows they're going to be expected to be push really hard for playoff one. So I think he knows the pressure is really on yeah. him. Yeah, and that and these first two fixtures are against Antwerp in Union. <laughs> so that's not really, I think it's the reverse <laughs> order what I've said here, but still, yeah. It's not looking very good there, but okay. After that, maybe they can pick up, of course, uh, as well. Even and maybe they can only uh, surprise uh, positively in these those games as well. Yeah, well, yeah. that's two teams they want to be competing with, isn't it? So it's kind of a good kind of litmus test to see where they're at. The side that finished below them, that I, I think we were predicting to finish below them again, but by more than one spot. Otherwise, you'd presume that either Anderlecht have had a terrible season or Saint Truiden have like completely defied the odds. Yeah, obviously, Sintruden, Torsten, I think, is the new man in. Bernd Hollerback's obviously gone, and the Bernd Hollerback era, it seems to be well and truly over. Lots of players out, a couple of players in, but yeah, we're going to talk about these guys now. They've brought in a striker from Riga. Uh, Torsten, I think, was actually in managing Riga for a short, short period. Spoke to some of the guys who follow Latvian football about Giuselfo Barnes. Uh, they weren't that impressed, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but they said maybe maybe he could do a job. They're surprised that Fink wanted to bring him over from Riga. Uh, so the German gun in strike. He's only 21, so still plenty of time to grow. German Togolese defender Frederick Ananu comes in from Hansa Rostock in the Bundesliga Svei. Bruno Godoy, we already said he came in from Ghent. Ryotaro Ito, a kind of attacking midfielder from Alberex Niigata in the J League. Rihito Yamamoto, a central midfielder, comes in from Gambo Osaka. And then Ryoya Ogawa from Tokyo FC, who was actually, I think, on loan at Belenense in Portugal. Or he was in Portugal. No, it was one of the other teams in Portugal. I can't remember who it was. But it's one of the Portuguese teams. Rio Ogawa was there. In terms of outgoing, there's quite a few. Ghanaian central midfielder Mori Konate. Contract ended, he's gone to Mechelen. Robert Bauer finally gets his move to the Middle East that he was so desperate for. He moves to Altai. Tony Leisner has gone back to Germany to join Hetta Berlin. Jorge Texera has gone to AVS Abs FC. Steve Rida has joined Denza on a permanent deal. Tatsui Ito has gone to Magdeburg on a permanent deal now. Fabinho, who they signed last year, he's gone to Lexois. Uh, Daichi Hayashi's gone on loan to Nuremberg. Gianni Bruno's back at Ghent, as we said. Frank Boyer's back at Antwerp, as we said. Taichi Hala has gone back to Alaves. Same with Rocco Ritz, he's gone to Mönchengladbach. And then you just, yeah, you look at this squad and you think this team is in for a battle to stay in the league. Shinji Okazaki signed a new contract, um, so that was definitely a boost. Orke Janssen's uh, quite a funny one, this one, actually. Well, funny, probably not if you're a St. Truden fan. He was like, no, uh, contract's <laughs> done. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm going to explore some new opportunities. And he signed a three-year contract uh, the other day. He was like, no, I couldn't <laughs> find anything better, so I'm going to stay. I think the guys at Hetbelang van Limburg were saying that usually St. Trudeau are quite like, if you don't want to play here, you can go. 
and we won't we won't even consider bringing you back. But with Janssen's, they were like, well, he's he's been around for a long time, but also they're probably looking and thinking, yeah, we just kind of need some players here, guys. Like, we, it's yeah, Thorsten <laughs> thinks in for a hard season. Daniel Smith might be off as well. There's rumours he was linked with a move to Turkey. He's now linked with a move to Club Bruges, like losing the goalkeeper, goal scoring. Who knows where you're going to get that from? The midfield looks inexperienced, I guess we could say, Scott. Bruno Gaudu is kind of your recognised defender. Uh, they've still got a couple of good players, don't get me wrong. But uh, Eric Bocat's a great player, I think. Daiki Hashioka, really, really good player as well. I feel like Ananu, I'm kind of interested to see. Like him, like they're kind of fullback defensive area, kind of right and left backs is actually pretty decent. Uh, it's got good depth. It's got some like really interesting players. But then the rest of the squad, you're just kind of like, well, this needs a load of work because otherwise they are in for a really long season because it's such a small team. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty nervous for Fink the Bink and his 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 first season in Belgium. You know, looking at that as you were saying, yeah, there, there's a lot of work needed there. We, we we kind of flagged up, I think, months before the end of last season that St Truden were going to be a club to keep an eye on because of the level of surgery that was coming. And it seems to be it's that deja vu thing of this happens to them every year. Actually, there seems to be a coaching change. That, that in itself is not unusual, but a huge turnover of players, which yet again, which carries its own risks because, you know, you rely on it to, to work. And although we've said in the past that St. Truden have been vulnerable and we have worries, they, they seem over the last couple of years to, to have gone on good runs at just the right point. Bird Hollerbach did actually very well there in the hole. You know, it was it was quite a successful spell, his his relatively short spell at the club, I think. Um, he did he did very well with, with very little resources. Torsten Fink's coming in and it's, it's kind of a clean slate. We don't really know what to expect, but yeah, I mean, lots of reasons to be nervous and, and worried. A sense that there's probably not enough depth or or quality there, to be honest. Gisolfo Barnes is a particularly intriguing one, you know, as Ben was giving us the lowdown on there. That's still a bit of a mystery to us. Obviously, Torsten Fink knows something that we don't, so it'll be interesting to see him regularly, hopefully, if he's a regular starter, see what he can do there. Something to keep an eye on because I think he is quality um, and does have quite a big reputation coming with him, and that's Ryotaro Ito. There were a lot of sides looking at him, a lot of sides quite a bit bigger than St. Truden in other leagues as well, were, were, were tracking him quite closely. So for St. Truden to kind of get him over the line is, is, is a bit of a coup, actually. So if he can produce the goods, then he's going to become a really, really important player for them this year. I just worry about where the goals are going to come from if I'm honest and that was a huge issue for them last season being one of the the lowest scorers as well scoring an average only about one goal a game if that and that that would be a big worry it was something that was going to need to be addressed this this summer and I'm not sure it has yet so it, yeah it could be a long season for for for, for Binky's boys we'll just need to wait and see if Torsten Fink can work any magic three center backs left four central midfielders left three strikers left yeah, and not all of them had uh, had a lot of uh, playing time last season, or uh, if at least with the midfielders, uh, the reader was already on loan. But let's make it three, three, three. Then anyway, yeah, that is worrying as they were having oh. some lacking of goals at the one end and at the other end. Um, yeah, at the defense, some of these defenders were so to say stalwarts already in this central defense, and I don't think that their defense is at the moment strong enough to to deal with well have not scoring that many goals either to to avoid a lot of losses in such cases 
Um, and yeah, I'm uh, very worried about them. The only thing that makes me a little bit less worried about them is other teams, to be honest. <laughs> that really, not, not, <laughs> nothing out of Sintra themselves at the moment as things stand. Of course, a lot of players left and they didn't bring in, well, they didn't bring a few, but not, not that much yet. So maybe they bring in, they probably will bring in a few more. Uh, and, and, but I think a lot of that will, again, one of those teams where a lot will depend on what the business will be after this recording, uh, which makes it difficult to predict. But yeah, the state of this, of this team at the moment, Scott also already mentioned a small squad anyway. If Schmidt would leave as well, uh, for yeah, Ben already mentioned that. Uh, but like if that would be on top of all the rest, that that's basically that you have to change your whole core uh, from in every line. And um, that's a big ask for for any team. So um, I'm actually starting to get more worried with them while talking about them. I, I got less when I went <laughs> through the t- other teams following, uh, not uh, not necessarily the following team, but the, the next teams on the, that we still need to discuss. They're not ready for the season yet, as things stand. That's the main conclusion for me at the moment. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I was looking through list them like see how they were doing in preseason, like the teams they were losing to and stuff. And you see that like bless him, Alexander Filipov is is starting a striker in preseason games. And you're like, this was a guy that they completely had kind of given up on like the last two seasons. And now it's like, well, we need him to play. Uh, he's not that young either. I think he's at what, like 27, 28, maybe a bit older than that. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I do find it funny that as you're speaking about, you're getting more and more concerned. I think, yeah, there, there has to be some more work done here because otherwise it is going to be a really, really long season for them. And it just, you just look at the Hayashi loan to Nuremberg and it's that just raised to me so many questions as to like, what is, the plan here because like mm. how much are Nuremberg spending like are they are you, they they have to be paying you for that for you to make that decision to let him be loaned out to a German second division side do you know what I mean like there's that's that's just a player that you could really do with if you're thinking about staying in the league so concerning times for Synth student fans let's move on to we'll call them Scott's team uh Mechelen um <laughs> why not so Scott you're yeah, enough you know what? I'm comfortable. Absolutely. With that. Everyone, if, if you don't, if this is the first time listening, Scott has a soft spot for Mechelen. So they're kind of his adopted side. So I'll let you do the rundown of this once I've gone through all the transfer moves and my little opinion. Uh, so they finally brought in Rafik Berhadi from Lommel, the Belgian Algerian fullback, which looks, yeah, should be a really good signing. Modi Kanate, Guinea International. We already spoke about him. He comes in on a free. He's kind of like Volker Janssen's. He was like kind of looking elsewhere to see if he could get a better deal than came back and took the Mechelen one. Dan Foulon joins from Benevento, a left-back, and then Leon Lauerbach from Eintracht Braunschweig, a 25-year-old German striker, joins for free. Uh, Alessio de Cruz, he's gone. Lucas Bieke, he's also gone as well. Big of a slater, obviously, back to his uh, to Antwerp. Enoch Aguirre, back to Burnley. Dries Falters, back to Schalke. They wanted him, but he's actually gone to Lommel, which is very, very interesting in terms of where Mechelen are in terms of recruitment and stuff like that it's it, it's kind of the way I see it Scott I don't know if you agree is I look at this team and I think they could probably finish exactly like they did last year just above the drop because I just don't think they've massively improved like I like Kanate I think he's a great player 
lower back. I looked at his numbers. He didn't really do it that well in the second Bundesliga. He was great in the Dritter League in Germany, but then he steps up into the Zweite Bundesliga. He, he doesn't score as many. So it's then like, well, he's, are we considering the Belgian Pro League to be above the second Bundesliga? Probably, because we've seen players that have done very well. They're like a Tim Kleindienst then struggle in the Pro League. So again, it, obviously context and everything is important there, but I'm, I'm really unsure about that signing and kind of what it says about where they're going. Uh, they gave him Rabti a new contract, which I think is a good sign. Rob Skew's obviously got a new contract, which is a good sign. But I don't feel... I'm not feeling, Scott, like this is a Mechelen side of the kind of Walter Franken era where you're like, yeah, they're going to mix it a bit with the big boys, punch a couple of the big teams in the mouth. I just see them kind of... They're going to have a very similar season, but they're probably good enough to be above the bottom four of the kind of worst teams. Like they're better than St. Truden on because just like looking at they've actually got a complete squad, but they're not kind of an exciting Mechelen side that we used to. I, I remember round about this time last year when we when we convened to record our pre-season uh, preview, um, talking reasonably positively about Mechelen because we felt that some of the players that they brought in actually were quite good fits for the club, a lot of whom are still there. Of course, what happened was a lot of those players had no impact whatsoever and then a bit like Ghent, they had a, a real nightmare of a season as far as injuries was concerned last year, which of obviously had a, a really negative impact on them. I think looking at their business this summer, I think they've had to be very patient. I know from people I've spoke to, they've actually tried to be very ambitious. They've spoken to some quite big names um, who they couldn't get over the line, uh, one of whom is Smail Prevelyak, of course. You know, we all know about him, very good player. They weren't able to, to, to kind of get that done, um, unfortunately. Uh, he he is a player who undoubtedly could have made a big impact if and would have been quite a big statement I think of of, of Mecklen's general in, in, intent because he still has a huge amount to offer. There is a general feeling I think that they probably need a little bit more I think if they're going to just push a little bit harder. It's always a dangerous thing to feel like you just have enough. Um, as well and last season was so underwhelming and disappointing just generally you know that they, they were kind of lucky not really to get sucked into something really nasty last season and if some of these signings don't don't perform to the level that you know they can then there's every possibility that could happen I think playoff two is 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 the objective I think they should achieve that I think there's enough quality to kind of secure that but I think to do that it's very important that they have a kind of positive start again they were another side who really struggled for any consistency last season and much like Brian Reimer who admittedly the pressures are very different when you're coaching Anderlecht to coaching Mechelen but I think the first 10 games and a positive start are going to be very important for Stephen DeFore because I think he he still has quite a lot to prove I think last season was was not good that was not all his fault a lot of it was out of his hands obviously but this is a clean slate some new signings have come in um, I think he still has a bit to prove and I think if they don't have that positive start I think he's going to be under a massive amount of pressure even if he is um, you know, a local boy who, who who loves the club and who has been given that 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 benefit of the doubt. But I think there is pressure on him there, and it starts obviously in the coming days because ahead of the season, the the Super Cup at the Bossel against Antwerp is is coming up this weekend. 
Um, and that's his first chance to prove that you know they're they're moving in the right direction. Rafik Belgali, really good signing for them, I think. Tremendous potential. I'm really looking forward to seeing him at this level. Mori Kanate, I've always been a fan of. I think he's an underrated player. I think he could do a great job there. Dan Fulon, um, you know everybody knows kind of quite well. Decent enough signing. And Leon Loberbach is is largely an unknown quantity. Um, I think if he can can hit the ground running, then you know they could have a decent season. But they're going to need to get more out of Julian and Goy and players like Jonas Malady, players who came in this time last year and um, were just largely invisible for for whatever reason. We know how important it is for Rob Scoofs, Kieran Marabti, and Nicola Storm to to play regularly, to stay fit, and to perform the way that they can. So, um, yeah, it's a case of, of of wait and see. And I've got my fingers and toes crossed because, as Ben was saying, I I, I have a soft spot for those guys. Slightly similar to Sintrada, uh, a bit of worry still up, up front just who's going to score the goals maybe Lauerbach Lauberbach but yeah his statistics in the past seasons have not necessarily been promising too much for that but okay if he can make other players play better and score that's also of course an underrated role in, in, the, in football it's, it's difficult to, to judge that at the moment combined with Hermans slowly turning older as well can he uh, was arguably their best player of the season last season and and brought them the goods in uh, in in goals and assists also can storm perform actually well or or get better uh, end product than last season and more to what he did the season before is a question mark but yeah all in all again also similar to Charleroi a bit as well like quite a decent side the sparks are question marks that's at the moment they have the players that can produce them but will they be able to (laughs) since they also all had periods where they did not uh, through circumstances and yeah the striking position is still the, the big question mark but yeah Again, uh, this should be a mid-table side, uh, mid to lower table side. Don't see much more in it either. Yeah, no, I think it's funny when you think about it. Like this time last year, if you said uh, Gaetan Kuka and Nicholas Storm would still be there, would have been like, nah, they'd have been snapped up by now. But this time around, you're kind of like, well, it doesn't really feel like... like I saw Kuka was linked with being the backup at Club Bruges and then Storm barely heard anything about. Just wanted to pick up on something that Scott said, which is really interesting about them saying that they're going to be ambitious and stuff. And I feel like we kind of seen that, haven't we? Because they've been linked with um, Seda Dursan like so many times. And I'm just like, that feels like such an unrealistic striker for them to be going after. And I don't know, it feels kind of like, I don't know if like you're looking, I don't know, you're going on like right move to find a house. You're searching from like highest to lowest in terms of value. You're missing all the ones at the lowest one that you could, you actually could afford because you're too busy looking at all the expensive <laughs> houses that you have no chance of getting, but you just keep flogging this like dead horse of this Dursan thing, which I just, he never felt like a realistic po- prospect for Mechelen to be able to get. Like Prevoyag did kind of, but then like a side like Hertha is going to be yeah. more like attractive to someone like him just because you look at Hertha, you think, well, they're probably one of the favourites to bounce straight back into the Bundesliga. Then he's a Bundesliga player. Like I got that one, but the Dursan mm. one, I'm like, there's got to be, there's got to be some clever recruitment going on to kind of find the striker they're looking for. Maybe that is Lauberbach, but I'm 
I'm not convinced as of yet. I think this is interesting because like what you're highlighting there, Ben, just reminds me of Mecklen are a club who have sort of resisted any external investment, even though kind of unofficially they're still kind of looking for it. And I, I think what's at the heart of all of this is there is a level of ambition there that they can't really meet at the moment, mm. understandably, because without new owners or some in you know significant increased investment that goes into the playing side of things then this side which has tremendous potential because of its fan base and and its history you know it's a club that has done things in the game that that it, it, it needs that and without that then it's always it's you know it's it's the thing that probably made Vouter rank and leave and that was a sense that I think the club had reached an almost a, a glass ceiling which is why he chose to move on and I think without new owners which aren't on the horizon obviously or that significant new investment then the club is always going to be in this situation you know year on year so it's it, it's a bit of a dilemma and I think it's one they're going to have to kind of face head on sooner rather rather than later, because obviously the danger is you get sucked into a relegation battle. And, you know, Mecklen have been relegated in, in the recent past. So, you know, they, they don't want to be in that position again. So what do they do? Do they do they go out and, and get some new investment, which, which they've resisted? And I understand why, because they're a very successful uh, club rooted very heavily in the, in the city and, and, and community there. So I think their approach is right. But I think at the same time, there needs to be compromise somewhere to bring some more resources into the club even if that means they perhaps come and uh, sharp intake of breath everybody multi-club ownership models may be the long-term future for a club of Mechelen size dare I say it yeah as much as there's the, the cons of it it just feels that that is the way the football world is going uh, unfortunately mm. it's kind of going down that multi-club ownership route <laughs> which actually leads on very nicely to the next club uh, in Quartreich because <laughs> they were almost the start of a multi-club ownership deal from a certain group called the Kaminsky group who have done done a done a double act in terms of just pretended to buy a club then everyone with <laughs> it didn't have any money and then this was being called off so they, they bought Kortrike apparently Vincent Tan's like I've seen these guys mug off a Greek team before you're going to do a press conference <laughs> a farcical press conference takes place so they do a minute of like just nonsense really just yeah we can't wait to invest in the city and all that you know all that like rubbish that, that no one believes take a couple of pictures they go away and vincent town's like right i want my 17 million euros apparently they can't open a belgian bank account which everyone starts to realize is absolute nonsense there are rumors of a fraudulent check being passed around or fraudulent kind of ideas that they had any money and in the end vincent town's still there the club's in an absolute mess to be honest like it's just you look at this it's kind of the transfer business they've done and it's just an absolute nightmare. Uh, Ed Still was eventually brought in as manager because basically, kind of to sum it all up, while this was all going on, everything's been on hold. They've had no one really calling the shots. <laughs> Watanabe was kind of sold during this period, but they had to kind of wait until there was some clarity. Since the clarity, they brought in Linter Ordor from Club Bruges, as we said. Martin Vazinski's come back on loan from Charleroi and that's it. That's all that's come in. Two 19-year-olds. Outgoings, Tushi uh, Watanabe, as we said, gone to Ghent. Christoph Dahan, uh, we knew he was going. Thought he might hang up his boots, but he's gone to Rosala. Another side you know what it's like to be completely financially mismanaged. Eric Okanzi, he's left finally to go to Lies. Kevin van der Dries has gone to Franks Bolands. Maxime Deman, 21 goalkeeper, has gone to Beveren for free. Mohamed Badamosi, uh, Sambu Sissoko have both gone to Kuraliki, which I think is in Slovakia. Can be 
corrected on that one. Marco Illich, he's gone as well to Colorado. Rapids permanently, despite being on the bench a lot. A strange, strange one there. Feels like a waste of his talents. Joris Dell, uh, he's clubless, 33 year old goalkeeper. Yona Asabuti is also clubless. Then Nicholas Deer, Steppi Lonka, to shorten his name. Habib Keita, Satoshi Tanaka, Oleksi Seats, and Doria Desuil have all returned to their parent clubs. Uh, which means we get into a situation where Tom Vandenberg's the only recognised goalkeeper in the squad. Although uh, Elian Kusament, who reports on Quad Flight uh, for Het Newsblad, has said that Die Vlamik, uh, one of the youth players, will be the number three and they are going to sign a second goalkeeper soon. Uh, Faisal Amani is still on the list, but he's going. And basically, this this is just a team of wingers. All they have are wingers. Basically, there's there's three central defenders, one fullback in Neil Mesa two, and everyone else is basically a winger. Abdul Abdul is still there, but he might be gone. You take him out, and it's just there's just yeah, nothing really centrally. Uh, Striker wise, it's down to Felipe Avanati. Papa Habib Gay, Yasaja Herman potentially. It's just yeah, it's just. I don't really know. Uh, I feel bad for Ed still because I don't know about you guys, but Charlo, I felt it was tricky for him because he didn't have a striker. So it was difficult. He then goes to Erpen, which is in a worse situation, keeps them up, but didn't really do a great job. And he's somehow gone from a pretty bad situation, Erpen, to an even worse, more diabolical situation in court like. And I just don't think he could get into a worse situation with his next job than he has in this one because they are probably, aside from Erpen, who we'll speak about, they basically need players in every single position apart from wingers every other position Yoris don't you think like they they, you could literally just every position you look at they need something and they are hot hot favourites to be in that relegation playoff and probably could go down like if if this doesn't change and even if it does it's got to change so drastically you just can't really see it happening the way the club is operating at this moment in time can't agree more quickly correction Kukarici is in Serbia well quickly <laughs> you went on for five minutes after that but uh, <laughs> nonetheless better late than ever uh, than that so that we could do the correction ourselves uh, but yeah well the most interesting part about our transfer business is basically the players that came back in in Lamkoze, Chaluk Radovanovic the, at least these three there's some quality in that but will they still be around by the end of the summer uh, window that's a big question and a big 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 question mark probably not and if you take Radovanovic out in as well well that makes it two center backs well and he could I guess he could play in the, as a wing back as well uh, or at least um, yeah a, a, a back a regular back but yeah that's uh, yeah, looking really dire. For it's still, uh, it's it's a bit double, I guess. I, I guess he made a conscious decision, and it like, and it was already after the the, uh, the 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 what you would say like the 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 takeover that wasn't. <laughs> I guess we can call it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that. But where where you could feel, I guess, like even refilled it without actually really being around the, the club that situation was not really healthy and if that was actually going through there were doubts from the beginning so in that sense he made a constant decision maybe he was just happy to to be able to after well not doing well at that uh, to also to be honest to, to be able to stay at another club in the in the in the first division uh, in the pro league that that might be the reasoning and uh yeah well he's up for a challenge for sure yeah and and we'll have to see that one. There's so many question marks here uh, around the club, but also uh, in this playing squad. I, I believe there will be actually a lot less players first, and that it's not that, that the, squad, the squad depth is so much. Uh, 
anyway, but that, that it feels like there could be a lot of changes still. Kadri, well, maybe he might be staying in the end because he, he like, I think they're outpricing uh, the, some clubs um, at the moment, but uh, that might also, of course, change by the end of the window. So many question marks, striking position again as well. Many contracts ending in twin, in, in one season as well, like uh, I touched on a, a few other clubs as well, I believe. And that's an additional longer term worry, um, if it's not this season yet. Okay, Salavani leaving has been going on for two seasons in a row now of course we'll have to see if that materializes but if it doesn't can he can he perform as well uh, they will need that and that's also almost the only player where they've got some reasonable numbers out of in the attacking front together with Kadri of course um, but tough battle ahead for them yeah Yora said it uh, perfectly when he said Ed likes a challenge <laughs> because uh, that's what this is I think anybody looking at Kortrijk from the outside especially with the 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 whole Kaminsky farce, which, which was exactly that farcical, that that famous 90, 90 second press conference where they read from a pre-prepared statement and allowed the press, who'd all been invited down to the Guildensporen for the grand unveiling, not being allowed to ask a single question. Um, really bizarre stuff. They now, uh, they probably epitomise what we were saying earlier about a lot of sides chasing their tail. They, they more than anybody are now in a race against time, I suppose. Ed still was saying this week that he's confident that they'll be able to make up a lot of lost time and that they will get a reasonable number of names in to reshape that squad somewhat before before the real action starts in, in a little bit over a week from now. I, I'm not so sure because although there's still kind of plenty of time, there, there's a lot of work required here. There's no doubt about that. He, he's a very positive guy, Ed, still, and actually quite a talented coach, I I think he's very underrated. He's been unfortunate, as Ben was saying, because of circumstances that kind of went against him at previous clubs. So, you know, he likes a challenge and he's he's embracing this, this opportunity, obviously. But there are very few coaches who would have looked at this situation externally and returned any phone calls um, about kind of coming into the club if that was the case. So he's obviously very, very open-minded and, and sees he's a glass half full rather than rather than half empty. But yeah, so many reasons to be worried about them. And they are, you know, as of now, one of the one of the, the relegation candidates. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you mentioned it being half full or half empty. I'd say it's it's actually probably empty. <laughs> that sounds like nothing is <laughs> yeah, there. The glass is broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The glasses probably needs to be sold. <laughs> it's just... Not no point. No, very, very concerned about courts like, but fingers crossed for their fans uh, that they can at least get some players in to be a competitive side this season. Uh, it's not as drastically bad as Sarang were last season. I think let's let's be honest about that. None of these teams are like in a bad position as they were, but it's just theirs was such an understandable situation that they just couldn't really find a way out of it. Whereas you feel like these sides they they can do more than they are potentially. Let's go to his did, former did, side. Oh, sorry, yours. Go for it. Did you just say better? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know it's been a long recording uh the english is starting to disappear let's go to urfen and the pandas uh the german-speaking region of belgium so obviously they've gone for a german-speaking manager florian kofelt interesting one really interesting that he's decided to come here one of those guys that when he was at verde bremen he was always really highly thought of as like an up-and-coming mm-hmm. coach i never got it i always thought he was pretty much quite overrated in his in his Verde time. Uh, not to say he's a bad coach, just never thought he was anything special um, in that sense. But then goes to Wolfsburg, 
doesn't do too badly there. And he did all right at Werder Bremen until they got relegated. So, But I just found it very interesting that he'd come to open of all sides. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see how he's going to get on. But he's got a massive task ahead of him, kind of like still does. Uh, they have brought in Kevin Merwald from Union Berlin. They obviously know each other. Uh, Merwald played for Werder Bremen when uh, Kofeld was there. So he's bringing him in. Uh, they did bring in a strike in Bartosz Bialek from Wolfsburg on loan, but he's already injured and out until t- the new year. So that was a waste of time to start the season, especially in a position <laughs> that they desperately needed. Uh, Jan Kral's come back from loan. He was on loan at Jablonek. Outgoing, you've already mentioned Smell Prevoljak. He went to Hertha Berlin. Steph Peters is still without a contract since leaving the club. Lorenzo Offerman, he's also gone. Our, one of our favourite signings of the, the January, just for his name, uh, Davo. He's gone uh, on loan to Deportivo La Coruña. I'm sure there's a better Spanish way of saying his name, but Davo, just, it just rolls off the tongue a lot better. Vaseli's gone back to Charleroi. Jedi Gassama's gone back to PSG. One of my favourite players, he didn't really do it though. Mubarak Wakato's gone back to Shenzhen in China and then Ibrahim Diakite's gone back to Stad Lems. Although don't discount Gassama or Diakite coming back. Gassama especially because last season we saw they just it was Teddy Allo. They just brought him back in and gave him a permanent contract. I guess, Scott, looking at this, obviously the Bialek injury, just it just screams striker problem straight away because he was the only recognised striker in the side. If Andre goes as well, you're looking at just Nuhu as your striker, which just it's just that's not going to work as a lone striker. That's not Nuhu's best position. I guess I could say about this team is the only position I'm really confident and comfortable with is the goalkeeping position. I think Leonard Moses is a great keeper. I think he was one of the better keepers last season. Mm. I'm still I still like Abdul Nuruddin. I'm interested I feel like he probably needs to leave. He needs to go get some first team football somewhere. Don't know where that would be, but I, I just feel like I, f- I see Mose and I'm like, yeah, okay, they've got the solid goalkeeper, but the rest of the team is, it, it, you're asking a lot of questions. And especially as that defence is very similar to the one that completely fell to pieces against Club Bruges in that game that they, they could have easily been relegated in at the back end of the season. So another side to be very, very concerned about. Yep, big, big worries. I think a relegation battle ahead. Um, there's not enough depth or quality. And I think it's that thing as well, the, this endless thing that, that you know, St. Truden seemed to, to have cyclically of, you know, that kind of chronic underinvestment is going to catch up with you at some point. Um, and despite the fact, ironically, that Open are owned by some very, very wealthy people, you know, they're, they're not spending any money at all, not even the kind of modest amounts, really, that, that, that might make them a reasonably stable pro-league side. So worries all over the place. And you, when you have a situation like, you know, you bring in a new striker who, you know, is already going to be missing uh, for half the season, then, you know, I think that kind of sums up the situation that Open find themselves in to a certain extent. And last last season, they were, you know, lucky to stay in the Pro League by the, the, the skin of their teeth, really, um, right, right at the end as it went to the wire, as we all know. So, you know, lots of red flags um, at the club. I wouldn't really like to be in Florian Kofeld's shoes at the moment because I think he's got a, a, a massive job ahead of him. Yep, definitely a club to, to worry about. Uh, also, like Ben mentioned, Moser as a decent keeper. Well, no, as a good keeper, I do think he's decent, but I also feel like, unfortunately, he also is not consistent necessarily, and that could be crucial again. Also, if they would be in a struggling fight, uh, like the one week is really, really excellent, and the other week 
yeah, he has some mishaps which which cost them. Well, the the balance between those will already be very crucial if nothing changes in that position. But is there a bit Lambert rumored to leave? Okay, the, so these rumors are quite old, so I'm not sure. Maybe they all cool down a bit. But uh, he's been decent for them at the back or in center midfield as well, I believe. Yeah, but and then if if Andri also goes in, there's already no no striker. Well, I can't, can't agree more than like there. It's difficult to judge them at the moment because this just can't be the the full squad at the moment. Um, it's it's very unbalanced as well. In like in some places there's a lot of depth. In some other places, like in the striking position specifically, there's just literally one one player who's out until the yeah 24, I believe already. So that's. Uh, that's that's very worrying uh, and um well i can't I, I i whatever they still do i do not see them not having a lot of struggles and being in a fight to avoid a drop yeah it feels like if they they aren't it'll be more food luck than anything else won't it because like yeah like scott said this where's the investment coming from um as well like it just doesn't seem that they're that interested in bringing players into that into the squad where they they do need to because otherwise yeah they are probably one of the them and Kortrijk at the moment are the favourites alongside St. Trujan to, to kind of make up that bottom three. Let's move to the side that have come up and Scott and I are definitely in this position. We feel like Molenbeek are not, we're not expecting a Molenbeek to do what Vestalo or Union did. They just, it just doesn't feel like they're that, that strong compared to what those two sides were when they came up. One positive for them definitely is that um, Vincent Everard is still there. Uh, he was linked to Standard Liège and a couple of other jobs, but now they've all been taken, so he's still there. There's lots of confusion off the pitch as to what is going on. John Texter becoming president, fans kicking off, fans saying they're going to protest. I haven't read or seen much about it since then, so... Let's see what happens at the first game. It could be quite an interesting one. Uh, they have been active, though. Uh, obviously, they were across that network of, of clubs like Botafogo, Leon, and Crystal Palace. Uh, they've brought back Riquelme from Botafogo. It looks like they're going to bring back Jake O'Brien from Crystal Palace as well. Alexis de Sart, he joins permanently, as we've already said. Abner comes in from Farens, a Spanish-Brazilian left-back, about 27. Guilherme Hubert comes in from Ustend. We all know who he is, the goalkeeper. Pierre Duomo, as we already said, he joins them from Antwerp. Shuto Abe comes in from Tokyo FC. So another Japanese central midfielder. First, we're going to have a lot of central midfield battles between some Japanese players, which should be quite fun. Newman Kurdic comes in from Novi Passar. Well, he's, sorry, he comes back from loan from Novi Passar. And Sada Diallo comes back from Franks Bolands. Uh, in terms of outgoings, Jan Vologovsky, he's gone to Astana. Nice move for him. He'll get to play a bit of European football. Ivan Batella's moved to Paris FC. Ibrahim Sori Sanko has moved to Denda. Glenn Klass has joined Lies. Uh, Camilo's gone back to Lyon. Yusuf Shalik, as we already mentioned, to Cortrite. Jacob Bryan, he is back technically at Palace, but it looks like he's going to come back. Obi Ulare has gone back to Barnsley, but then he's gone to Lies, uh, which could be a good signing for them. Nico Hamelin has gone back to QPR and now is a free agent, I believe. And Olivia Z is at SV Kapfenberg. Yeah, hard to kind of work out this team at the moment. I feel like there's still, again, like with some of these other sides, there's there's movement to be made. But it just, because of all the off-pitch stuff, Joris, I guess because of all the off-field stuff, it just feels very, very unsettled at uh, Molenbeek. You just don't really know. They're not coming in with momentum from being promoted because of all this disruption. Looking forward to seeing Michael Biron in the Pro League. We've been waiting a while to see Michael Biron in the Pro League. Interested to see if Pierre Duomo can finally 
finally settle into a club and play some of his best football. They've got some some players we know, obviously, that have got the experience. Jonathan Harris, Alexis Dessart, Killian Hazard, but he's done his ACL, so he might be out for a while. But just looking at it from an outside looking in, do you not feel like this side is as strong as some of the other teams we've seen come up? But they do have the means to strengthen because of the kind of network that they're in, that they, they could probably bring in some players quite quickly if they needed to, whether they're the right players remains to be seen. And you've got to respect that they were promoted last year on merit, but very disrupted pre-season. It just, yeah, feels like it sucked any sort of like enthusiasm they've had. And it could be a really, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's not going to be an easy season for Molenbeek and they could very easily be one of the sides that finds themselves in that bottom four. Yeah, I, I think so as well. But yeah, cheekily done a lot of business, mainly because of these loan uh, transfers as well, of course, both in and out. Didn't end up with a, a large squad at the moment, despite that. In theory, you would say they, they definitely should be in this relegation struggle and maybe even our favorites to go down again. But then the few teams that we just talked about come into play as well. So I don't see it impossible that they, they will uh, will stay up in the end. But uh, they, the, I do see them having to work for that. Uh, not like the Unions and Westerlos of the past two few seasons. Uh, and Beersfeld in their first season back as well. I don't, I don't see them doing anything like any of those teams. But they might be fine, but they will have to work for it. Uh, it's difficult to judge them. They have some players that have some experience in the Pro League. But yeah, is it is it good enough? question mark is the squad big enough to handle in more injuries like the the unfortunate injury for Kilian Azar that's uh, the another question mark yeah a lot of business to do still I believe also Jacob Ryan leaving uh, or like well if he comes back that that would be really good for them uh, because yeah he he uh, really played a crucial role in that in that defense what was a crucial point in their promotion yeah I'm not completely convinced but eager to see well what will happen on the pitch of the pitch I'm not sure sir I'm not so sure but uh, I'm, I'm sure Scott has an even more more to, to say about that so I'll, I'll give him that that space now well I think I think Molenbeek are uh, you know I agree with both you guys I think they're they're very vulnerable kind of going into the season and I worry about the the lack of depth in in that squad, I think they are like a lot of teams relying on some key players performing at the top of their game and staying fit. You know, uh, the the Teo the Fornes, the the Zachariah Eloides, um, and the, the the Michael Byrons of this world are going to have to have good seasons if if Molenbeek are going to have a, a a decent season. So I think there's a lot of work to do. We know there's been a certain degree of restructuring going on as Ben was getting at. You know, former uh, Usten Sporting. Director uh, Gautier Ganai has come in to be John Texter's sporting director. He's already brought in, of course, two players with a very close Ustend link in uh, Guillaume Hubert and uh, Pierre Duoma uh, from Antwerp, who was on loan, of course, at Ustend as well. There is some interest in another Ustend player, uh, Magdar Gay, as well. Um, be interesting to see if they, they can kind of get that over the line. But yeah, there's a lack of depth there. Um, that I think, you know, without adding more, I think will will, will cause problems. Yoris talking about off-the-field issues is very interesting because that that's all kind of gone away since Gotegg and I's come in. There was a, a, a generally effective um, PR media offensive where Gotegg and I made some appearances on, on some podcasts, some fan podcasts, spoke to the press about coming in and, and his plans, um, for for the summer, 
Um, so we just need to wait and see. But yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you guys. I think they're they're very vulnerable. Um, and I, I think the step up might might prove to be too challenging kind of for them. Some of the players who've left as well actually were really, really important for them. I think Vorogovsky was very good. Um, I think Yusuf Chaluk, who we've spoken about a lot uh, over the last couple of years in the pod, uh, or what seems like a lot, he's a very good player. He's obviously gone back to Kortrijk. Um, looks like he's going to be staying there because Ed still was saying he wants a really young and dynamic side. And I think we're going to see a lot more of Yusuf Chaluk uh, starting regularly for for, for Kurtrike because he has that bit of quality that you know they're struggling for at the moment. So I think Molenbeek's desire to bring him back is probably going to be frustrated. Kind of a, a difficult choice for Yusuf Chaluk to make. You know, do you go back to your parent club uh, who you're contracted to, who are in a difficult situation and, and potentially a relegation fight or go back out on loan to a club you were previously on loan to who are there's a good chance it's going to be in a relegation fight as well so we'll see if he's chosen wisely in the end Jake O'Brien's a very big one did very very well um, is making really big strides uh, in a positive sense in his career development as well um, I know an agent who who knows his his people his own agent and they've been you know kind of really delighted by the progress he's made there and I think you know it would be a very shrewd move in his part to kind of come back to, to Molenbeek should there not be a better offer coming up because he will be guaranteed regular football at a, at a good level and able to kind of continue that development and the last thing he needs is for that development to, to kind of stop but yeah, I mean, can Goteg and I make the best of that larger network that's available to him there? As, as Ben was saying, that's that's going to be key, I think, to to Molenbeek's whole season, probably. Yeah, no, definitely. Be in- I'm just really interested to see to see how they adapt to the top flight of Belgian football. Congratulations to our listeners if you have made it through this whole thing, uh, especially if you did it in one go. That's very, very impressive indeed. My brain is finished. I have no idea <laughs> how to finish any of this. Um, I think we did do a post on the new format, the Challenger Pro League. We will obviously preview as well. We will definitely get to that because it's going to be a crazy season down there once again. I know we said it last year, but I think Scott, as our man with the Challenger, will probably agree with me. This season's shaping up to be a bit more chaotic and crazy because of the, the size of the teams down there and the budgets of some of these teams down there. And some of these teams have made some moves that are very, very interesting. And we can't wait to talk about that. But we hope you have enjoyed listening to this third edition, I believe it is, of the Bumper uh, Pro League preview. Season kicks off on the 28th with a Brussels derby, Union against Anderlecht, and then we'll be back into the full swing of things. So yeah, if you've enjoyed this, definitely subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app of choice so that you can listen to us throughout the season. If you have questions or anything like that, just get in touch with us at any point. We love to answer them during the shows. If you agree with kind of our predictions, let us know. But again, with a caveat, we recorded this on the 20th of July, so things might have changed. Um, So yeah, please bear that in mind. We'll also reveal who we think will finish where just before the season starts, which will obviously be completely wrong because so many sides need to do so much work. But at the moment, that will be our thinking. I think I've pretty much got to everything. Guys, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this one up? 
Yeah, we get so many questions, don't we, guys, about the the league format and how it works. Don't worry, everybody. We've got some. Uh, there's some very nice mm-hmm. videos which explain the league format, which we'll make sure we share in in the coming days to coincide with the release of this episode as well. So you're up to date with uh, all of that. I've had an absolute blast, even though it has been a very long session, and uh, I'm ready for for the real battle to commence. Yeah, and I'm sure we will have to, we will post those uh, formats regularly throughout the season as well. If someone needs a reminder or if the questions keep coming in, uh, we'll be happy to to do that. Uh, looking forward to the season and uh, good luck to everyone involved. Yes, absolutely. Good luck to everyone involved. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please do leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Welcome to the 2023-2024 season and we'll speak to you very soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. <laughs>